What's up, everybody? Welcome to another live uh, Facebook, YouTube series. Uh, we are going to have uh, be joined by uh, Kyle Conkeel here in just a little bit. Uh, he's running a little bit. Oh, there he is. He is not behind. Look at that motherfucker. He is not behind. <laughs> hey, man. How you doing, man? Switch up this uh, this awesome banner. There we go. So how you doing, man? Oh, not too shabby, man. How are you? Doing good. I feel like I need to uh, get back on the uh, like chiropractor thing, like you've been doing the last couple of days. Well, that was forced. That really wasn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that really wasn't by choice. Well, you know, potato, potato. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of funny because I had to explain to my parents today because uh, my wife went back uh, for the first time in probably about a month or so. We we neither of us have gone. And my parents are just like, how do you feel that that works? And I was like, I feel it works pretty well. I feel usually really fucking good when I leave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really just depends like what you're going for. Like I went to I went to actual doctors and I went to, you know, and they just like, yeah, you can go to the chiropractor. It's fine. Um, you know, with my MRI, because for people who are listening who don't know, like I pulled my back a couple weeks ago and uh you know, luckily it wasn't too damaging and a lot of the stuff is, you know, reversible. It's just mm -hmm. me not really taking care of my body the way I should have and lifting stuff in a manner I shouldn't have. And so what you mean to tell me musicians actually I feel like bad wolves dudes just got bad backs. Like I know Doc, <laughs> <laughs> Doc had what the herniated disc or whatever. Yeah, he's got a couple he's got a couple bulges in his back. Um and I think because Doc's like Stock's like six two, yeah, and I think just spending years traveling in a bunk, like you know, dudes like uh, Joel and Adam D from Killswitch, like those guys have like legendary bad backs. Those guys are like six five and six six, but yeah, um, you know, when you're that tall and you're in a bunk, it's just not conducive to a healthy back. That's why you guys got to get on that level where you uh, can each get your own bus and get that giant fucking like king size bed in the back uh, back lounge the, area. Yeah, the star coaches. I actually, I, I actually did have a star coach with one of my last bands, and it was and it was only be the only reason why we got the star coach was because it was the only bus that was available. But my old drummer at the time, he just slept in the back lounge anyway. So, but it just when you have a star coach. There's like basically a one bedroom and your own like bathroom that like separates from bunk alley bathroom and then the um and then like the little back bedroom area. But what that does is it makes the front lounge of the bus significantly smaller. What I always think is funny is the few times I've had to do or not had to, but got to uh, do some of the interviews on the on the buses is when people are like, oh, is it so nice? What's it like? And I'm like, it's like being in a tiny studio apartment on wheels. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone's backpacks and shit and everyone's yeah. like crawling all over each other. Well, and depending on how many people are on the bus too, you know, like uh, there was one point where I think we had like, I, I think Doc's girlfriend was out. Uh, Tommy's girlfriend at the time was out. John's girlfriend was out. And we had like a full crew. So we had um, our tour manager, front of house guy, Robbie, uh, we had our lighting guy at the time, Neil. We had a monitor guy, uh, Squid, and we also had uh, Josh D. Adams out doing social media. So, mm. and plus our regular two techs, Johnny and Tim. So there was like, there was like sixteen people or something, fifteen people on the bus at once. Here's a, a fun thing that you know I haven't really talked a whole lot about on this show 
But, you know, I was kind of reminded of in the episode you did with, uh, I'm totally blanking on his name, Ash from uh, Experiences of Blood. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ash Pearson. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you guys were talking about some of the nicknames and so forth. What uh, what are some of the more fun nicknames that you've encountered uh, through some of the touring you've done? Uh, well, a lot of the old school guys, you know, they all have like nicknames, like the drum tech for Five Finger Death Punch. Uh, his name is Michael, but he just he goes by Micro. But, you know, there's guys that I've met doing production work at, you know, in L.A., like John Mayer's guy, like his name is Chris, but everyone calls him Feely. Now, he won't tell anybody his story. And then you have like the generic, more generic ones, which like, you know, I have, an, I have another buddy who worked for Kiss for a long time. His his nickname is Spike, you know, um, but I feel like a lot of the uh, a lot of the older older school dudes have more of like the roadie nicknames and then like we kind of just come up with you know random nicknames for each other like in the band like i have i have so many nicknames for doc um (laughs) you know i actually i think doc is the one i have the most nicknames for Uh, i call i'll call him doctor or sometimes i'll call him shirt cock and a coil it's kind of like 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 an inside joke um and then, uh, or I'll call him Proctor because the, the the brand Proctor and Gamble because it rhymes with Doctor. Um, <laughs> and you know, I've I've and of course I've got a, a billion nicknames too, all kind of correlating with my last name. You know, like Conk, Conky, Big Conk, and then I have my random one, which is Mister Brennard. He's a and he like has like a personality too. He's like a he's the seventh grade substitute social studies teacher. <laughs> <laughs> And and the the boys the boys came up with this elaborate story that like uh, that like uh, he got fired for being a substitute teacher because uh, uh, he took uh, he took the children on a field trip to go swimming and someone pooped in the pool and they test the poo and and it was actually him that pooed in the pool. So, two things to that. I'm I'm kind of surprised no one has called you Piggy. Piggy. Yeah, so it's like because I was thinking it's it's a little bit of a stretch, but I I figure with some of the nicknames that people get, it would uh it would maybe fit. But like you know, because you were saying conch, and I always think of like the conch, but people always per- mispronounce it because chs I guess give people issues. Yeah. Um, but Lord of the Flies. Oh yeah, yeah. I got the conch, and then he yeah. fucking gets hit with the head in the head with a rock and dies. Yeah. <laughs> um. Actually, so I know you've toured here in Michigan and in the in the Midwest. So I know you probably are at least casually aware of Meyer, like the super like the Walmart of the Midwest here. Yeah, so I, I actually I used to live in I used to live in in Seattle, and in Seattle they have Fred Meyer. Meyer. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, they've got Fred Meyer. So I know it's it's pretty pretty similar. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, apparently, the news story going around in the last two days is that some dude shit in a box and put it back on the shelf at the Meyer. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't doubt that. So now Especially- people. Now people are trying to figure out like <laughs> who did it, <laughs> who done it, who done it, who pooed in the Fred Meyer. Yeah, yeah, that was a trip. Uh, going out there and realizing that you can't pump your own gas. <laughs> oh well, that that's in Oregon, Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. You Seattle. Well, you can, you yeah. can pump your own gas, but yeah, that that was that was really weird. Unless unless you have a truck. Uh, oh, is that I've, the I've rule driven, for the yeah. trip? Because uh, if you're getting diesel and you're in a larger vehicle than you know if you have like uh you know more than more than four wheels you know you have to go around to the truck and they don't they don't pump your they don't pump your gas there 
your your, your fuel there. But yeah, that it is it, that was really weird. And they're just like, oh, how much do you want? I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, no, I'm gonna pump it. I'm like, oh, okay. Same with uh liquor laws and the traveling I've done around the different states, like uh South Carolina was a fucking trip because like you would go and they'd have it separated by beer and liquor. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't buy them together. You had to go separate locations and buy them. And I was like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah, I think that's how it was in Des Moines, too. Uh, don't quote me on that. But for all the time I spent out in Des Moines, um, I'm pretty sure everything was like, like, if you wanted to get your regular groceries, like you can get wine with the regular groceries. But then you had to go to like the after well, you were great. done. Yeah, you had to go. <laughs> you had to go get your your beer and liquor from that part of the store like it was two separate transactions yeah it's it's really weird and then obviously like chicago bars are open until four like just that's the different dope. the different rules and shit you're just like all right like like one it's, it's we uh we constantly my wife and i make the joke that it's like people who come at least to to here in grand rapids probably flip the fuck out when they get a shot because you go to some places and a shot's like a fucking thimble like so yeah. tiny and yeah. you're like what is this like seven dollars what am i getting with that and then you come here and it comes like in a rocks glass all full and we're probably like people probably come to michigan they're like i'm gonna die <laughs> uh it's actually super similar in in the uk um mm. when you when you order a shot it's it comes it's very minuscule and a lot of bars in england they don't stay open past like 11 hmm. there's there's a few there's a few that doc and i have been to um but for the most part they close at about 11 or I think the latest like midnight. But uh, yeah, actually one of our favorite bars that was in uh, in London, Crowbar actually just had to close their doors because of COVID-19. Yeah, um, and that and that was a bar that was open, I think, until 3 a.m. I mean, we were there pretty late. So <laughs> I mean, I guess after a certain point, nothing good can come from being at a bar past probably 12. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just but like for us we, we oh, like yeah. to have we have we have we have we like to have a dry bus mm. so it's just you know if we're stuck somewhere until like three or four o'clock in the morning and you know sometimes we play really late you know we sometimes we won't get off stage until like 11 or so and uh we want to chill out calm down and then it's just like oh nothing is open here past 11 so sick <laughs> well, I guess it's, it's, it's not so much like wanting to party it's just kind of something something just something to do. to do yeah 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 um speaking of something to do uh, you know I, I didn't want to talk to you too much about it the other day uh when we were going back and forth in the dms about it but holy shit mario cop i <laughs> was wondering what the fuck that is because like i'm a huge turbo negro fan and like i've thankfully gotten to see them a couple of times and uh it was one of those things like I, you know, it, something we kind of talk about on the podcast quite a bit is, you know, like some of the fun of getting to interview some of the people we have that like were broken up before the Internet really became what it is. Our podcast became what they are, is that there was an era where you just couldn't look shit up. You, do, you yeah. have nothing to find unless you just knew someone who knew something about whatever it is. And that definitely was one of those things where it was on the record. But I was like, what the what the fuck is this? Yeah, so basically, um, nobody really knows what it is. Uh, it's which is so weird in this day and age that like there still is equally as little information about it as there is. Yeah, and what what Ash was really getting into on the podcast that I did with him 
was that this could have just been like a role playing audio tape, like just for like funsies. It like it there might not even be like a a video of it, which I don't I don't really want to I don't want to see the video, <laughs> uh, but I would really like to just at least see what, what Sergeant looks like yeah what Sergeant okay. Russo looks like, um, and. I mean, like I said, this has been passed down from. I heard it from my old guitar player Jed Simon, and because uh, he was just quoting it, I'm like, dude, where the fuck do you come <laughs> up with this shit? And uh, he was like, he's like, oh, it's it's Mario the cop, and I'm like, what the fuck is Mario the cop? And one day he's like, he's like, he had copied it to because he only had it on like disc, like mm. floppy disc or some shit, <laughs> or like DAT. It might have been DAT, and. Um, and he's like, oh, I finally, I finally uploaded it to MP3. And so he turned it on and I'm like, Jesus, Jesus Christ, man. And then he had sent it to Ash and uh, me and Ash would like kind of text back and forth every now and again about some stuff. Like I, th- I sent him, uh, uh, there was an ad on Facebook today from like uh, 1-800-HalloweenCostumes.com or some shit. And it was like a, it looked like a cop from like the village people. So I like <laughs> screenshot it and I said, uh, here's here's your here's your photo of mario the cop and uh, we kind of had a back and forth about it but i know that jed got it from reese fulber reese fulber got it from i want to say the say the turbo negro dudes but i'm not sure and then nobody really knows where it came from before that i'm not exactly sure where where turbo negro got it from but the the legend of the Mario the Cop audio is basically that it was like found in the middle of the street <laughs> in so San like, Francisco somewhere, like almost discarded. like the demo tape for uh from Chaz from uh Airheads. Yeah, yeah, from Airheads. <laughs> yeah, the, the Lone Rangers demo that fucking got pissed on by a dog, and then they had to go find it in the middle of the street. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it was it was just one of those things. Like I, I don't know. It, like as you guys were talking about, it just reminded me of some of like those things that I think are like at times when you listen to it, it it's not so much that it in and of itself is so great, but the the history it has with like friends. Like you know, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the movie Haggard. Uh, that oh movie. yeah, uh, well, I, that's actually something that Ash and I were going to talk about, and I totally I totally forgot about because he's super into that movie. And I, I mean, I've seen it a million times. People don't know what it is. It's a, it was a, it was like around the time of the CKY videos, and it was like a movie that Bam Margera produced. And there's like a bunch of fucking Brandon De Camillo, like fucking diamond bicycles, and uh, the fucking uh, I forget what was that? It was like a microwave or a, a reverse microwave. Yeah, the reverse microwave. Yeah. So, but what's funny is like in the last like probably two months andrew from the ghost inside have been like texting and face uh like the voice memo things you can do oh yeah just quoting that fucking movie like you know uh i have to lay like this because otherwise you know i'd get taco neck (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) but it's it's like the movie is not great like it's only funny because of how quotable it is to like those who have seen it yeah and then it just becomes like this thing where if you show it to someone who's never seen it they're like this this is what you've been going on about for 10 years and you're like yeah i don't know i guess either you just had to be there or it was like a, a 
encapsulates a certain era of like a friendship or something. Well, like the fun, one of the funniest things about that is that like they change the name of like the antagonist, like shitty girlfriend, like by just adding a G. Like, cause her real name was Lauren, like Lauren, Ryan, yeah. Ryan Dunn's real girlfriend who did all that shit. Her name was Lauren and they changed yeah. it to Glorin. <laughs> you know, I'm a Leo. So I like rhinos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a party with a lot of hot dudes and tight pants. I knew she always wanted more dick or bigger or something. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's it was a, a thing that like as you guys were talking about it, I was just like, and you know, obviously with Turbo Negro being kind of in that CKY, you know, sphere, mm-hmm. that was kind of you know just kind of really hitting that sweet spot of like those kind of things that you guys were talking about, and it was just like, ah, fuck, like I'm at least glad I now know, and uh, you know, I didn't even know that Poison Idea had used a sample of it either. So I mean, it seems like there's you know, you guys kind of were able to trace some of the origins of where this, this sound bite basically came from. So it was pretty yeah. cool to hear that. And I think that's kind of the, you know, as you were saying toward the end of that episode, you were like, I don't know if anyone gives a fuck about this, but like, you know, like you said, you're like, sometimes this might be right up someone's alley and they're like, holy shit, this has been really cool or whatever. And yeah. I do think that that's half of the fun sometimes of, uh, of your podcast is it may just meander but it's one of those things where it feels like exactly why I think a lot of us get into podcasts places to have conversations where you feel like why on the wall, like you're hanging out with your friends that aren't your friends. Yeah. And honestly, man, like uh, with, with COVID everything going on with COVID, like the first like three or four months, I did so many podcasts uh, being, being like a guest on people's podcasts. And I had, I had a podcast a few years ago that I, I just kind of stopped doing. And, um, like I, I can only tell like my origin story so many times before I'm just like, <laughs> like seriously, it would get to the point. Like I would get on with the people before, before the podcast. I'm like, listen, if you're going to ask me this, like I can tell you the story in about five minutes uninterrupted. So I was like, I'll throw it in somewhere, but that's not really what, what I like to talk about. Like, so, and when I started doing when I when I was tinkering with the idea of doing the podcast again, I was like, "All right, well, what is going to separate what I'm doing from what, say, like you know, my guitar player Doc is doing, or what Jamie Just is doing, or what Rob Flynn is doing?" And I really think that, yeah, because it's the, it's more accessible to me to have musicians on my show. I'll typically have more musicians and crew guys and stuff like that, but I'm not limiting myself to who I have on the show. It's basically, it, it, it could be anybody. Like if, if I find them interesting, it doesn't matter if they have a following or not. If I can have a good conversation with somebody that isn't really interview driven. Right. I just, cause I think that's like, you know, the way I really like the way the doc does it though. Like the the whole the X Man the X Man podcast that he has, I really like the way that he does it. I think it's 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 not the same old shit that is like regurgitated with a lot of interviews that you that you see on like YouTube or for magazines and stuff like that. Um, I really appreciate how how Doc does it when it comes into like telling your origin story because it's like you there's a lot of there's a lot of like dots that typically don't get like filled in. Um, when you're doing an interview of like, oh, like, how, so how did you get here? You know, uh, and it turns into more of like a conversation. 
But the, when I was starting mine, I was like, I don't really want to interview motherfuckers, man. Like, <laughs> I'm not good at like. And when I ha- used to have my old podcast, I would have like notes and like things that I wanted to bring up. And honestly, I did my first episode um, well, uh, with Eric D, who's the owner of uh, Meth Syndicate. Um, and uh, oh, oh, you're wearing a Meth Syndicate shirt. Sick. <laughs> Well, that was actually the funny thing is when you and I did that quick interview at Sonic Temple, which, by the way, that was really horrible on my end because they told me, hey, do you want to talk to someone from Bad Wolves? I was like, sure. And they didn't tell me who it was until you literally sat down. I was like, cool. I had no time to prep for anybody. (laughs) Yeah, whatever, man. But I asked about your Predator shirt that you were wearing. And then that's from that point on, I started following Eric. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of you and me being like, what the fuck is Meth Syndicate? (laughs) Honestly, man, like those those interviews is are like a cattle call. Like everybody does it. Most of the time, you're not going to get the person you really want to interview with. And it's like, I'm just there as like filler and it's fine. I don't care. Like I'll I'll do I'll do the interview as best as best as I can answer questions the best that I can and hopefully get some sort of answers that somebody wants. Well, see, it was funny because the other way was I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to waste your time because it's like you could be hanging with friends or whatever. (laughs) No, see, like we have a specific time that we have to do press. Ah. So it's like we're there for like 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. And then we go to as many like, all right. Yeah, pretty much. It's like the it's the uh, yeah, it's the speed dating equivalent of doing interviews. Yeah. Um. But so when I did my first my first podcast with Eric, I just kind of like I didn't have any notes. I didn't really ask him anything. Uh, me and Eric had only met in person like one time before. And uh, I, it, although me and him have talked a lot via Instagram or whatever. And uh, and I, I don't know, just I was just like, fuck it. Like, I don't need notes. We can just talk. I don't need to like drill him. And then we just kind of started having a conversation while I was finishing setting up. I'm like, hold on, let's just record. And when you start off the conversation, that's kind of why most of my conversations start off like, oh, these guys were already talking. And then I have to tell the guy, hey, shut up for a second. I'm going to start recording. Like, I don't want to like, so, hey, guys, how's it going? You know, welcome to my show. Uh, Today we have a, you know, I don't I don't want to do that. I want it to be like. You know, I want it to be as natural and genuine as possible. I don't want it to come off like, you know, <laughs> whatever. It was kind of funny <clears throat> in, in hearing you do that one because I had hit up Eric and I mean, I'm sure he gets DM'd a shitload. So mine just get lost in the, you know. Oh, that guy gets some fucking more DMs than most girls I know. <laughs> but uh was the thing like because my last job before the one I'm at now was actually working for a pretty big screen comp- printing company that does stuff for like. Uh, this company like Ripple Junction, you see they're like licensees and like uh, Target, uh, mm-hmm. Spencer's and stuff for like PacSun. And for a little while, we were doing stuff for like Diamond Company and uh, making like Drake's clothing company and shit like that. So it's mm-hmm. like when you kind of get into that world and you're not just making bullshit, but like basically like learning about like there's a company, DGK, that makes uh Oh yeah, dirt, dirty ghetto kids. Yeah, yeah. So we made a ton of that, and I was as we're making like the initial run of those. I was like, "Who the fuck is buying these like kind of stupid shirts?" And then I go to the mall and see them like sold out, and I'm like, "That's why we're printing these by the thousands every week." But it, you know, that was that and Johnny Cupcakes were like one of the first two where I was like, "How the fuck are they getting away with making these?" And then finding out about the parody law and how parody law basically works 
oh, for yeah, this dude, or you know, it was so much shit if it's satire yeah or uh in the event of both johnny cupcakes and at least dgk because it's uh it's not officially the thing that it is. It's a, you know, like Johnny Cupcakes, they also do a lot of smaller runs, like under 100. And I think it's because if they get hit with a cease and desist, they'll just go, cool, we won't make it anymore. Yeah. Well, I know Eric got hit with a, I didn't realize he got hit with one from PBR mm. from the first shirt that they ever made. That Misfits one, right? Yeah. The Misfits PBR shirt. So, uh, I mean, if you're really taking yourself, that seriously like come on it's just like a dude he's not gonna like he's pro he's not gonna make more than 500 of these shirts i doubt he's gonna make more than a than 200 of these shirts i wouldn't be surprised if he makes around 50 to 100 based on yeah. how quick these seem to go yeah so i mean really you're gonna give a guy a hard time for making a funny t-shirt well i mean that's like i had learned through working at that job you know being here in michigan uh the detroit tigers so i mean um like I'm a Braves fan and I had learned that Detroit actually went out and had to get their own D made because everyone could make bootleg Detroit Tigers merch and it was okay because you can't own the font. Mm-hmm. And so at that point they made their own. So then that way they could legally go after people if they uh, are trying to get a cease and desist or whatever. So it was pretty interesting to, to kind of learn some of that stuff from working at that job and just kind of seeing how honestly like a lot of industries, they don't give a fuck about anything other than the bottom line. And if yeah. you just kind of like, we were making those uh, shirts that had Gucci Mane's face on them, uh, like uh-huh. the, the cartoon face. Oh and yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. So we made the thousand, probably hundreds of thousands of those things. And I remember Gucci Mane got out of jail, and then we just stopped making them. And I was like, "What the fuck? Like, what happened?" And they go, "Oh, well, he got out, found out about it, and then was just like, cut me in on the profits." And they were just like, "Nope, <laughs> just stop making them." And I was like. I feel like it would actually do better if the if the person actually was like, yeah, fuck it, like let's let's work together on this. But it was just one of those where it's so interesting to see the the other side of like that industry, like, like people just don't even think much of or realize like how, uh, like I kind of was surprised to learn how cheap everything can be, but like how once you start factoring in, like when you guys get your merch and so forth, it's like. Uh, the things that you might need to look for where it's like, oh, we're we're trying to print on these because we can turn a better profit, which is what yeah. we do. We don't want to have something, especially if you got to do like price matching and so forth. Yeah. Um, you know, having something that, you know, isn't worth a $60 t-shirt price or whatever, like you want to try to like give value and comfort, but like there's just so many different variables to shit that like it was just kind of wild to like learn the ins and outs of that business and just be like, wow, there's money to be made if you're ready to hustle in it. Yeah, and with like with the whole Gucci Mane thing, like see the the see the tricky thing is when you're using somebody's likeness is because you're selling a product based on based on what somebody looks like. Gucci Mane would probably be uh he would probably get most of the profits of that shirt. So in turn, their overhead would just be too much. They'd have to probably give, you know, anywhere from 50 to 75% of the profits to Gucci main and and then you still got to figure in getting the shirts made so they would basically the shirts would literally just be paying for themselves right um but and when it when it comes to the uh you know making shirts because i'd made a, a few shirts on my on my website i've taken them down now but um just because it, it's it's it i don't want to make shitty t-shirts now <laughs> now i understand where eric comes from 
he wants to sell his shirts for a good price, but I can't I can't do Gildan. Like like the way I have to wash those shirts is (laughs) to make them softer is is it it fades them faster and it's just I wanted I wanted a t shirt that was going to be comfortable and soft. And so I decided with my my the guy who prints my shirts, Jad Dovey from Vegas, who owns Jad is Rad and a few other a few other companies, uh, RadCustomTshirts.com. Um, I paid probably five or six dollars more per shirt just to have that brand of T-shirt because I knew that they were softer. They were probably in the next know. levels of the tri-blends. Yeah, n- next level. Yeah. Yep. So. But, you know, and then and then I would, of course, in turn, have to charge a bit more for my shirts. And honestly, it's just like if I didn't have a massive stock, which I never did, I would just do orders. Right. Like if I had a massive stock, cool, I would keep I would keep the T-shirts up and just, you know, whenever somebody wanted them, whatever, I'd send one out. But uh, it's just it was getting to a point that the mail was getting so screwed up that like because I live in L.A., Jad lives in Vegas and it's like he would send me a package and it would take a week and a half to get from Vegas when it should take t- when I paid for two day. Mm. You know, I would always pay for like, you know, overnight is ridiculous on anything. But like I would always make sure I would pay two day to make sure that I got those shirts as quick as I could to get them out to my customers. And it was just it was just getting to be, you know, too long of a wait. And then I would have these lulls where I would have like four t-shirt orders there i'm like cool i have to wait now i'm not going to do a four t-shirt order (laughs) and then i would get like 10 or 12 more and then i would put that order in and then out of nowhere like later that week i would get like another 15 or 20 shirt orders so i was always having to like um let people know when i was putting my orders in so that way they could order their shirt before then and then they would still like order the shirt after that deadline. Like, oh, did I miss the deadline? I'm like, yeah, you're gonna have to wait till I do my next order. It could be a month, dude. So the thing that's been kind of interesting, and you know, I if it's it's been interesting to see some of these ancillary businesses pop up. And I don't know if it's a solution or how you feel about it, given you know the fact that you touch on this question in a minute. Um, but like uh, like Teesprings or some of those things were basically they make the shirt for you. They send it out. They do everything for you. You set a price and that kind of shows you what you'll stand to make based on the price you make. Mm-hmm. Have you looked into something like that to kind of alleviate some of that? So whenever someone orders a shirt, it's like, cool, then you're you'll get it. It might take a week and a half, two weeks for them to, to make it and send it to you. It may not be as good as going and get literally getting someone screen printed. Cause I almost look at them more as like when you go to the mall and you see those fuckers yeah, making yeah. like kind of hobo shirts, but I've been pleasantly surprised. Like my wife bought some leggings um, for, of my podcast, you know, cause we have a store and it was, I was surprised to see how good they were and how good the print came out. Mm-hmm. And she even had said, and I won't mention the band that she bought a pair of leggings from on it's like a big band, but she spent more money on that band's leggings and she goes, yours are better. Hmm. And so, I mean, it's like, I'm kind of seeing like some of these businesses are starting to get a little bit better with the quality. And, you know, obviously with having literally a whole store, like if you know your shirts, if you know how to kind of to design something, you can make a good looking shirt on these things. And 
turn a decent profit if if that's what you're into or whatever but it allows you to not literally have to do pre-orders not have to have any physical inventory on, on in your house that you're just sitting on yeah and i think it's right now i think it's kind of the best of all worlds uh for yeah. people who do shit like that yeah i hadn't i hadn't really looked into that i know uh so i have this buddy uh rufus he's uh he's a chinese bass player and uh anytime he comes out with merch like me like i really like his aesthetic it's super you know neon and bright and you know kind of like futuristic which you know i totally get down on and uh so he told me about a company that he gets his shirts from and that's what he does because he's in hong kong but most of his fan base is usa based so his store I think it's based in like North Carolina. I have the, I have a, I have a, I think I have a sticker or something around for it somewhere. Um, so most of his orders get shipped from North Carolina, even though he lives in Hong Kong. Hmm. And uh, so I, I was kind of thinking about that, but I just, I really kind of think I oversaturated myself because I wanted to have, I wanted to have like a bunch of different options for people. And I think I might've just overwhelmed anybody who like came to my store like jesus christ this motherfucker's got like 800 <laughs> picks and 17 t-shirts and you know i i, I so i think go, moving forward if i start doing t-shirts again i will probably go that route mainly because when touring starts i'm not going to yeah. be able to i'm not going to be able to bring my own merch i'm not going to be able to fill orders from <laughs> home so it's like you know i'm gonna either have to hire somebody to do pick orders and then have a company like you know like teespring or whomever um just have my shirt orders and i mean that makes it literally easy like i would rather not have to deal with folding fucking t-shirts so got one of those uh, uh those blue or well i guess they come in different colors but the things that make the nice shirt folds dude i, I worked i worked in retail for a long time i don't need those same. things yeah same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually the best uh before they came out with those things was uh just the hot topic way of using a uh, clipboard yeah yeah but yeah um yeah, we'll see what happens. I I, I want to come up with something new and maybe just do one at a time. Like if see how it does and if people are into it and it and it's like something that's at least somewhat consistent, I'll uh, I'll think of doing I'll think of maybe doing something like like the Teespring. But I kind of like that my shirts are limited, you know? Yeah. Like I think I think in total I've probably sold I've, in all four designs I've sold under Maybe under I've sold under 200 t-shirts. So, so one of my favorite things that Johnny Cupcakes did, and I had never seen anyone do this, and I was like, that's such... I mean, as the collector in me was like, that's such a fucking great idea to push fucking units out, mm-hmm. is we would uh, hand number them. So they yeah. would make a, an inner label, and it would be out of like 50, and then we would just randomly pick a number and just randomly assign a number to them. Oh, shit. So, you you might be a double XL, but you might have gotten two out of fifty. Yeah, and I thought that was really fucking cool. That like they took it a step further to kind of increase like the collectability of of their garments. Yeah, so you you get guys trying to get just certain numbers, like buying all sorts of sizes. If that's you know if they're really into that brand. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, yeah, there's there was so much stuff that I learned about doing all that that I just you know like i i don't mind prints like this and probably sort of like yours but i i kind of like more of the uh and i'm trying to remember the ink name but it doesn't really matter for those who don't give a fuck about it but it's the kind that like when you touch the shirt you don't feel the print at all and it won't Mm -hmm. really fade away like those are like put those on a next level 
Yeah, okay. yeah, and two of my shirt, three of my shirts, actually, you know, two two of my shirts have that. The my 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 metal logo one is like that, and then I have a little 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 neon light T-shirt that's like just on the on the breast. That's very much like that. My Cyberconk T-shirt, you can definitely tell that there's 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 it was screen printed and same with the rip mainly just because of how many colors they have. Yeah. Looking at that, I was like, Oh, I would not want to set that up. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it, they're just a lot of colors. Like even I think in the rip t-shirt, that's three or four different colors, even yeah. though it just looks like neon green. It's, it's not just neon green. There's, you know, there's yellow, there's lime there's dark yeah, green, there's means. blue, there's a whole bunch of different colors that make that color. So the more color you have, and just like if you're just doing like white on a black t-shirt, that's super easy. You won't even be able to tell that there's print on your t-shirt other than the visual. Touching right. it, you won't be able to tell. Yeah. But the more color you have, the more texture there will be. Yeah, that's why I always hated doing like the stuff for like Diamond or whatever, where it's like a giant fucking print right here. Oh, it just yeah, feels yeah. like you have like an extra pound on your chest. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Super thick. Um. So, you know, kind of funny that you bring up Cyberpunk. So you have been championing this this game. And, you know, like I am a, I am a gamer. I just, uh you know, pre-ordered my Xbox One Series X, the, you know, mm-hmm. day one when it went live, which was sort of a clusterfuck. Um, but not half as bad, I guess, as the PlayStation 5 uh, has been for everybody. Oh, but- dude, yeah. I don't I don't pre-order consoles, man. Like I, I was one of the I was one of the people that pre-ordered the original uh xbox 360 and i had the i had a lot of problems with that i i had pre-ordered i had a special pre-ordered limited edition of the ps4 and that was fucked up so i think like two consoles that i had pre-ordered and got the first batches of were but piles those, of shit <laughs> those two consoles a the xbox 360 was notorious for red ringing on people regardless of what the issue was typically overheating yeah secondly though those uh, from what i understand because i never got the i just recently got the playstation 4 um like last black friday and was a thing where all i heard about was how bad i think they're catching on fire the original playstation 4s i think were were they the ones that were catching on fire or was that the three uh i think I, I, that wasn't the four Mine just had the fan would get so loud that, was that the fan would get uh, so loud. It sound like the, an engine. Yeah, it would sound like an engine, but then it would like it would mess up the internal system, and then it would like glitch. <laughs> and uh, so I think just because from that experience, and honestly, there's we're we still have probably about six to eight months before um, before PlayStation and Xbox start making uh new exclusive like the 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 next gen title only yeah you know so i think yeah about a year or so i still have about a year or so of games before that so i'm just gonna see how this first round comes out and uh if there's no problems then i'll go ahead and and get um and get some some next gen consoles but uh until then i i got i have so many games on my ps4 that i could still be playing (laughs) Yeah, I'm still making my way through Last of Us 2 very slowly. Um, yeah. Because I had like, because when I bought the PlayStation 4 last year, I basically bought every game I wanted, which was Last of Us original, like the remaster, mm-hmm. uh, all the Uncharted's, and uh, Spider Man. 
yeah. and then M- uh, MLB the show and was a thing where like I buzzed through Spider-Man. So then I was like, oh, like not really interested in the PlayStation 5 at first. And then they announced that like the new Spider-Man game basically is going to be like one of their first ones for the PlayStation 5. And I was like, well, yeah, maybe I want that too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I did a I did a bunch of tweets to Rockstar uh, probably about a month or two ago. Um, just asking them because I saw that they were going to be making Grand Theft Auto 5 for the for the PlayStation 5. And basically all I was just tweeting at them was just like, bruh, it had there hasn't been a like there hasn't been a new Grand Theft Auto title in seven, eight, seven years, which is the longest stretch in between two titles. Yeah, I don't think we need to have a third console with Grand Theft Auto 5 because it yeah. went from it was PS3, PS4, now PS5. And I was like, dude, the PS3 gave us four Four Grand Theft Auto, two two mainstream Grand Theft Auto titles, and, and an two offshoots. and two and two offshoots: the Ballad of Gay Tony, and then the Lost and Damned. So I was like, you know, really, you got three quality games out of the PS uh, out of the PS. Actually, I think that was PS3. Yeah, yeah. that was PS3. Um, PS4, all you got was GTA 5. and I get that they're still, you know, they're pumping as much as they can into their money maker which is grand theft auto online but i mean you can't like i really feel like they should like break off there should be like one rock star that's like yo we're in charge of the online of the online shit and then oh we're in charge of the proprietary titles because i think they know the next time they have to come out with a grand theft auto they're going to have to have a bigger and better online service because I mean, dude, once that comes out, people are gonna be gonna be playing the Grand Theft Auto online for Grand Theft Auto Six or you know whatever the fuck they decide to call this next one. Um, and you know, in a year or two after that, they're just gonna shut down the servers for for GTA Five online. I mean, unless it sucks so bad that people are going back to GTA Five's online to to do that. But yeah, I just basically told them like I was like, yo. You pumped out four <laughs> GTA games on one console, and then just all of the sudden, like, how many Rockstar games have we had in the past? In the past, uh, in this past seven years, what GTA Five LA, came out in two thousand thirteen? Was it LA Noir was one? I mean, dude, that, that that was that was on that was on. I had that for Xbox three sixty, so that was a PS three title. I'm What's talking about. P- so I'm like, in the past eight years, we've had. Two and I think that came out in two thousand eight. Came out two thousand eight or two thousand nine. Um, we've had like two rock star titles, like real rock star titles in the yeah, past Red eight Dead. years. Red Dead and GTA Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and that's the other game I'm slowly making my way through because, like, once I spoilers, I guess for whoever, whatever these games have been out for fucking. That game's that game came out in two thousand. It came out two thousand sixteen. <laughs> if if you don't know the ending, the fucking Red Dead Two by now. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't played it, but like, here's the thing: once once you meet up with the main character of the first game, I was like, oh, well, I already know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it was kind of not very well. Like to me, I feel like they should have brought Marsden out like way after the fact. Like yeah. well into the game, not like right away. And I was like, oh. Well, I think people because they I think people even before that Marston was introduced, because of how the original Red Dead went, 
people I, kind of had that kind still of pisses assumed. people off if you ask them. <laughs> yeah, uh, how the original Red Dead went is kind of like okay, they're probably going to do that again, and um, and I mean honestly, the the way that they got there, I was totally fine with. I I honestly prefer I prefer Red Dead Two's storyline to Red Dead. Uh, Red Dead One storyline, but I felt like because there wasn't so many characters, you were able to connect more on a personal level with the characters of Red Dead One. Um, but yeah, yeah, I uh, and again, spoilers for those who maybe haven't played Last of Us Two, but that uh. Because I had started playing it, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have all this time when I get furloughed." Like when I got furloughed, I was like, "I'm gonna have all this time to play." You know, Last of Us Two. I pre-ordered it; it'll come out at midnight. Mm-hmm. And then I just got immersed in house projects, like repainting most of the house, and you know, doing landscaping shit, and doing that instead. To where I was like, "I don't, I don't want to play video games." Excuse me. And was a thing where I just recently picked it back up, and again, not very far into the game, but. When uh, Joel dies, I was like, holy shit. That yeah. was heartbreaking. <laughs> I mean, I I I I had the, the spoilers of the game were leaked to me pretty early on. I still thankfully haven't come across anything. So it's everything that's gonna happen is still gonna be fresh to me and new. And I don't know if because of that reason, because the first the first Last of Us. I was able to connect with it on an emotional level, like pretty much right away. And when I can connect with something on an emotional level, uh, it always tends to be, you know, regardless of how the story turns out, it's it's always a, at least a fun experience for me. So even so, maybe knowing the spoilers of the game kind of ruined my experience, mm. and I think in turn made me like not have any sort of emotional response. To like, I, I played the first two hours, I think, of that game, and I'm just like, meh. You know, like I, I, I could give a shit less about it. You know, but part of me wonders because you were talking to this, uh, you were talking about this with Travis, which I really like that episode because Travis, I, other than Alex, which probably won't happen now, but Alex and Travis are the only two from Atreo I haven't had on the show. Um, and Travis is always someone that's intrigued me because he doesn't do a lot of press, so. Mm-hmm hearing him talk about things that he's into like was really cool. Cause like I said, he's really reserved and you don't hear a lot from him uh, and he's not big on social media really. So it's, it's kind of like why I enjoy the podcast format with those who can get people who aren't typically on shows. Um, but what was interesting though, and, and something I had kind of wondered is, is it because the person you controlled throughout that whole story, you basically don't control. And so, therefore, the connection to the environment, to the story, to everything that you'd gone through, isn't there. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I also played. I also played the DLC for the original Last of Us, and I didn't. And and you know, of course, you also control Ellie a few times in the first one as well. Yeah. But like, even controlling Ellie this time around, I just I had no. I was just like, the beginning. The beginning of that game is so fucking long and slow. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you're fucking somebody else, and then somebody that, else again. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, yo, what what the fuck is going on here? Who is this bitch? <laughs> Why? And then all of a sudden, you're back to being Ellie, and you're throwing snowballs at kids. I'm just like, 
I was like, at least with the first one, like you had that whole like 20, 30 minute uh, opening scene where you're like running away from everybody. And it's like, that's basically your only action that you can do is just like move the character. But yeah. it's like, it's giving you a story. And I just feel like uh, I had the same problem going from Far Cry 3 to Far Cry 4. See, I'd only played Far Cry 5. So, and everyone says that three is like the best out of the series. Yeah, three is the absolute best out of the series. Okay. Um, so when I went from playing Far Cry three to Far Cry four, I had no, I just had no emotional attachment to any of the characters, anything that was going on. I was just like, yo, this is this is kind of dry. Uh, <laughs> and I can only, I can only, I only played the game I think for a couple of hours. So I was just like, whatever. At least I got this for free. And I just think with with how the last of us two started um, was very similar. And I was just see the thing I'm hoping for. And you know, this is kind of the thing about those games is like, it almost feels like you're, you're kind of playing a movie or like you're indirectly controlling a movie. Yeah. Is I'm wondering if last of us two is going to be sort of like how, and I can't remember the director's name, but the guy who did, cause I just recently saw hereditary for the first time. I had mm-hmm. in midsummer. Yeah. But both of those movies move very slow. And yeah. but the payoff is in the end when it starts ramping up and then you're like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Like that's kind of the thing is it's a slow burn. So I'm, I mean, granted again, like I haven't finished last of us Two. Ari Aster is who you were thinking of. Yeah. And it's uh it's a thing where I'm kind of maybe because like hereditary and, and I mean if you've seen Midsummer, that movie should probably just stick with you because it's so fucked up. I think it's more fucked up than hereditary mm-hmm. personally, but I I don't know. That seems to be a debate. Everyone's like hereditary is the better film, it's more horror thing. And to me, I kind of like more of the I didn't, both going. I didn't know where it was going at first. So I think that's why I, I kind of because like the opening sequence of that movie of her of uh Midsummer. Granted, I watched it on the laptop I'm on right now with my noise canceling headphones on my way back from Vegas, and I was like immersed in midsummer. Yeah. Like it was on that was all I was paying attention to in my world. Whereas Hereditary, I was in my house, you know, not as directly connected to it. So maybe that's why I have more of a connection to Midsummer. But there are things about that both movies where i just feel like maybe that's where last of us 2 is going to go where it's going to be a slow burn for quite a bit of the game until you get toward the end and then it's going to pick up and kind of make up for all the slow narrative that you're getting yeah i don't know man like (laughs) uh, i mean like i said i'm only like two hours into the game but like we're talking about like like midsummer and uh and uh and hereditary like like i don't know why maybe it's just because of the aesthetic of the movie I'm also not a big fan of the A24 films. Um but like Midsommar reminded me of fucking Wicker Man and I just couldn't get over that. Hmm. <laughs> like just the whole the whole thing. It was just like like I was like I swear to god if these motherfuckers pull out some bees I'm <laughs> I'm turning this shit off. And it just, I don't know, it just reminded me a lot of Wicker Man and uh, mainly the aesthetic, like not so much the story, similar in certain aspects, but like Hereditary is just like, yo, like if you don't understand anything that has to do with like the supernatural or like pagan or anything like that, that movie can be confusing as fuck to just random Joe Schmo on the street. Like that movie was like so specific, like 
who the fuck knows what payment is? Yeah. You know? Well, like, I I think like the in that movie, and again, spoilers, but whatever, that movie's been out for fucking forever. But uh what was the first like oh shit moment I had? Cause like, you know, they're showing like the grandmother burning, and then you see like mm -hmm. a dude kind of pointing at the daughter, and I was like, okay. And a weird connection I've made, and I don't know the few people I've talked to that have seen both haven't necessarily picked up on this, so I don't know if I'm inferring something uh that's not there or maybe is but in both movies people who are on the spectrum depending on how far one way or the other but are almost like in midsummer like a inbred dude is like wh who like what they built their religion on because he's pure yeah. he has been clouded by stuff and in hereditary uh charlie basically yeah. uh, kind of on the spectrum a little bit and she's sort of the conduit for a lot of these things and i was like okay like what what's the what's there what what is there because that's an interesting idea that he is using people that are quote-unquote undesirables or that are often overlooked as integral parts of these cultures or at least the well, I, I know with at least Midsommar, like a lot of that has to do in like the ritual itself is based in. I don't know about so much the movie, but I know that the 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 midsummer the midsummer festivals are based in in kind of in true fashion, and I'm not very familiar with uh with you know Swedish folklore, <laughs> um, but uh, I know with with hereditary like basically yeah uh charlie was basically the conduit between you know the grandmother and you know them needing a male for payment and all the weird ritual shit but uh yeah i, I didn't i didn't really pick that up too much but i mean that could be another one of those things that's just like you know making the un like you said making the unders under ugh, undesirables like a power like a power or influence on certain cultures yeah i don't know it was just kind of something i was picking up on and then <laughs> as, as i was saying this uh because i did as i was telling you like because we were supposed to do this like a week ago and then i had to go home to a funeral um but i was kind of even thinking about the ritual in that starts off midsummer basically like where the, i think it's at 65 you just that's it you're done kill yourself yeah. jump off that cliff or whatever and i was like yeah 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 and then if you don't die they smash your head in with that big ass mallet jesus holy Christ. shit and I remember thinking about how that's kind of a really, maybe a really great idea. Like, cause then you're within reason, you go out with all your faculties. Yeah. You're, I don't know. There's, there's something kind of oddly beautiful about that idea and that concept, but it's also like, yeah, but neither, like, I think the, the one dude didn't make it and then he just suffered a horrible, horrible death. And you're like, uh, I don't know if that's worth it though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, I I get what you're saying, but like, and yeah, going out with all your faculties and being and going out with dignity, you know, not having, you know, not being a burden on anybody in your family, you know, not fucking having to have, you know, people in your family look after you or bathe you or change your clothes or wipe your ass or anything like that. Yeah, I, I, I get it. But like, uh, it seems nice and well, but then it's just like, you know, everybody lives till 65 and granted there might be some problems that that does fix, you know, uh, overpopulation and shit like that. And then if people just know that like 
at 60 on my 65th birthday i i that's when i die so maybe actually having an end date to your life would probably make you appreciate things a lot more and probably want to do more with your life but then again there's also the like yo that's kind of fucking fucked up (laughs) no absolutely it it also is like a you know another podcast i listen to uh that kind of deals with uh sex education and so forth um you know, one of the things that they've kind of brought up and that has been in- an interesting thinking point has been about how the idea of marriage and monogamy and how maybe we as, as people weren't meant to ever do that, be committed to one person for literally life. Because when marriages and shit started, you were like 13 getting married and you were only going to live to be like 22 or 25. So, yeah, and there's I mean, well, there, there's the whole thing of like you know the 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 whole Christian marriage thing, and like and then there's the whole reason why you know people in country who have like kings and queens, uh, kings and queens were like bringing families together to make to make you know, certain yeah so yeah to make it to make stronger, and it's like I mean I don't know man I've never you know I was in a relationship for a really fucking long time and I helped raise a child in that. And I never once was just like, yeah, again, married sounds really fucking good. Um, <laughs> so for me, you know, I I can I can see where that where they're coming from making that point. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, I don't really fucking care if homie next door gets married or doesn't get married. If anybody I know gets married or doesn't get married, because it literally has no effect on my life whatsoever. No. Um, but you know i just think like and then the whole like common law marriage thing is really weird because i know it's different in like every state like in texas it's two years really and then like you're technically married Hmm. um i know it's like 10 it's seven in california okay so i made sure to get out before seven years (laughs) (laughs) well it's been fun got me bitch (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's just like i don't know man like Maybe maybe I'm still you know sour and enjoying my time being a single a single single guy just enjoying my enjoying the you know the the fruits of my labor or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I mean, I've never really wanted kids. I've never really wanted to get married. It just it does not sound like fucking. And I, I could be completely wrong. Like this time next year, who knows? I could have met the the woman of my dreams and decide that well, I want to have a fucking pile of kids and married and <laughs> like. But as of right now, I'm just like, yo, I'm good. I got my fucking toys on the wall. I got my fucking movie posters all over the fucking wall. I can wear my stupid video game T-shirts and like not have people <laughs> like, oh, why do you wear that shirt again? Like, you know. Well, that's like one of my favorite uh, random stories. Is like. Uh, I ended up a while, long time ago, getting a, a CM Punk uh, Pop Funko. Like I don't collect many of them, mm-hmm. but that was one. I was like, "This is cool." Like I like him, and he's got they got the tattoos on it, and that was kind of tight. Mm-hmm. And I remember ordering it, and then finally getting it. My wife just going like, "What does it do?" And I was like, "Nothing." Stands there. Yeah, and then I was like, I had never felt so dumb for spending money on something until she was just like, well, "What does it do?" And I was like, "Nothing." Oh, I mean, dude, like uh, I'm really, you know, I'm really into like toys and, and, and stuff like that. So I remember we were on, we were on tour with three days grace and five finger death punch. It was like November, December. And I remember, um, I remember pre-ordering this action figure for cyberpunk 2020. 
I was I was a dr- total drunk pre-order. <laughs> I was hammered, and I was like, I so, like I got like some advertisement or some email from GameStop or something. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna buy Counter Reeves Johnny Silver Hand right now, and I forgot about it, and it shows up at my house in March. And I'm just like, oh yeah, and it's, <laughs> and it's one of one of my friends was like, one of my friends was over at the time. And uh, he was like, he's like, oh, where'd you get that? And I was like, oh, from GameStop. He's like, how much was it? I was like, 50 bucks. He's like, what are you going to do with it? I was like, put it on my shelf. <laughs> he's like, you're not going to open it? I'm like, nah, man. I got I to gotta leave Keanu alone. And my my ex's, my, uh, my ex's kid used to hate that so much because I would have like, you know, I have action figures that are worth over $100 like on the, on the resale market. And uh He'd be like, can I open this? I'm like, nah, dude, you can't. Like, Why do you have it? I said, to look nice. <laughs> they're not They're not to play? No, they're not to play. <laughs> but, I mean, who who cares if it makes you happy? Like, yeah, it's a fucking, it's a piece of plastic that cost, probably costs fucking 38 cents to make. And they charged <laughs> me 50 bucks for it. But I like it, you know. I think that's kind of the the funny thing. Like, you know, I have been making the comment that I'm basically just rebuying my youth in in various ways. Like, you know, in the last couple of years, like Dennis Rodman was, is, and was one of my favorite players. I own one of every Jersey from every team he played for, including the Mavericks, which he played for them for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it was a thing where like, someone's like, well, now what? And I'm like, I wear them. Yeah. <laughs> or like with records, like, you know, like people are like, well, why are you, you already have this on CD? I'm like, yeah, but now I have it on vinyl. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, makes me I, happy. Yeah. And that's the thing is it, it's kind of funny how some people, like, uh, you can see right here one of my uh, Jermaine Rogers posters, my Deftones posters. Mm-hmm. We went to uh, Austin, Texas, and happened to go to this gallery where all of Jermaine Rogers, like a ton of Jermaine Rogers stuff uh, was. And the guy <laughs> was like, oh, like, so, you know, at the time I was working at the screen printing place. So like the guy was like talking about like the different kinds of papers and the foils and the inks and all this kind of stuff. So it was really cool. Yeah. But like we were in Texas for less than an hour and I dropped like 400 bucks on two posters that are just sitting on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> I it's, mean, it's one of those like some people are like, that's cool. How much does that cost? I was like, oh, that one, that's an artist print. So like that was like 275 bucks and like for a poster. And I'm like, yeah, yep. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, if you think about it, uh, you know, the stuff like that, you know, like the jerseys, the posters, the action figures, you know, I got a bunch of fucking goofy posters and pictures all over my wall. Um, I mean, it's art regardless. I mean, even the toys, like someone took time to sit there and fucking detail something out at like a one to 16 ratio <laughs> of the original real life thing. And then, or, you know, something that hasn't been like in real life it's a, a, a character of fiction that has only been seen on the 2d scale but now it's in you know it's it's in the real life i could touch it i can move its little fucking arms and legs and shit i mean you know t- to me that's art and you know i if it's something that you're into and something that you appreciate um i mean i just say fuck it if you like it you like it i mean why i do I have a closet full i've everyone who comes over laughs i have literally 400 different black t-shirts like why 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 do you have so many t-shirts because i like them do you have many t-shirts i buy a week i buy six t-shirts a week (laughs) well uh, since you admitted that i have drunkenly and not drunkenly in the last shit in the last i'll say three months i have probably bought 
eight Atlanta Braves hats. I'm not a hat guy, but yo, dude, if it makes you happy. All right, so I remember. But I'm start. I also am into shoes. Like I like so I, I'll be starting a new job here pretty soon, and I'll be making the most money I've ever made. And so at one point, my wife was like, "What's like what like what's one thing like a stupid frivolous purchase you're gonna buy?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, I'm into shoes, so like I'm gonna buy my first pair of Elevens." Yeah. And she was like, "What are those?" And I was like, "I mean, you'll know when you see them." Like. And then, like the bar we were at, like a guy's like, I have 15 pairs of 11s and I have 340 pairs of shoes. And I and showed it, like, showed us the collection and his like different pairs of 11s. She was like, What's so special about the 11s? I was like, If you're into Nike and you're into Jordan, you got to have a pair of 11s, like, just have to. Like, it's yeah, cool. I think Doc just bought his first pair of 11 lows. Mm. Um, I'm more into, I'm more into three, uh, ones, threes, fours, and fives. Mm. I've got. 15 pairs of ones. I've got four pairs of fours. I've got four pairs of fives. And then I have like random, like I have my house shoes, which are like my Toms and like my outside slippers and shit like that. But did you see those uh, Adidas Crocs that just dropped? Or I don't know. If I they did. Dropped, I, they, but I saw I, them today. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. saw so they have the, sh- the little shell toe and everything. Yeah. I, I was actually, I almost bought a pair of Adidas. I used to wear, I used to wear the, the, the Adidas superstar. I wore those mm. for probably 20 years and I stopped wearing them with the band because I'm like, Oh, I, you know, doc and doc and Tommy got me into, into Jordan. So now, unfortunately, like that's my thing. <laughs> um, it's like to every, I mean, I know, I know you all, I don't know if it was when you guys signed or I don't remember what the circumstance was, but you all got a pair of Bad Wolves uh, Air Forces. Was that what it was? Ones? No, they were they were Air Jordan Ones. Air Jordan, okay. And I, be- I don't know if Chris got a pair, but I know me, Doc, and Tommy had custom ones. I mean, and I know Chris... Doc sold his recently. I sold mine too. I sold mine last summer. Hmm. Um uh yeah so we but they they weren't they weren't highs they were mids mm. and uh it's so funny i mean they were 80 they were 80 dollars on stock x at the time the those shoes and uh they were you know black and gray which was kind of like our our color scheme for the first record and and uh, we all just decided to just say fuck it i mean it was expensive as fuck to customize them because they were literally customized from 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 paint to the the they took the Jumpman uh, tags off of the the tongue and put the Bad Wolves tags on there, like had my name on them. I mean, the customization on those shoes alone was, was like two, some pajamas. Uh, it was like two hundred and fifty bucks, I think, just to just to customize them the way that we wanted. And then uh, and then you know the shoes were about eighty six bucks. So, I mean, it was it was definitely that was like the most I'd ever paid for a shoe. I think still. I, I've 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 a budget. I typically don't go over. I won't go over three hundred dollars when it comes to a pair of shoes. So funny enough, that's that was my number. We went to Atlanta about a month and a half ago, and I popped into this like place uh, over in Little Five Points, and like they have a clothing store upstairs, and you, it'll be like where you find like they had a pair of like uh like red bandana shorts. Mm. Excuse me. They were like 600 bucks. So that kind of gives you an idea of like the kind of store yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in. And I was like, you know what? Fucking I'm in Atlanta. Like I'm going to go ball out and buy like a really nice pair of shoes. My number was 300 bucks. 
and I found a pair of uh, Jordans that had like they were like a uh, baseball stitching. They're like white mm-hmm. shoes with the baseball stitching. And I was like, all right, those are pretty tight. I want those. And then they were like, oh, they're on sale for like 100. I was like, oh, shit. All right. And then I found another pair that were like uh, leather, like black leather, uh, just like Nikes, like almost like a sort of like a high, like a mid top. Um, but then the the swoosh has like gold stitching on the round, the, the black. So it looks okay, yeah, yeah. nice and like really nice, like casual looking kind of a leathery shoe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I'll take a pair of those then too. And then the lady was like, oh, those are on sale for 60. And I was like, okay. And then the dude upstairs as I was checking out, because I found a pair of 11s that were like the Carolina blue ones. And I was like, yeah, kind of want those too. But I also had to fly back and I was like, I'm, and I have to throw away the boxes. So I was like, I'm not trying to just keep buying shoes that I have to fly back. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they had just come out with those like almost like that Adidas Croc, like that Nike like sandal thing that's like super patent shit that had just recently come out that like. I saw one and I was like, I kind of want that. They're like obnoxiously ugly, but they kind of are low key tight too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know for the like honestly, like if I'm wearing like slides or slippers or something like that, like I don't, I definitely don't want it to cover my Your toes. Mm. Yeah, I want like I'm wearing those bitches to air out. You know, <laughs> like like I don't, I don't know about the whole like you know my. My, my personal trainer wears Crocs and he like has like this whole reason of why he wears Crocs and it makes total sense. And uh, I, I, I can't remember it for the life of me right now. So or else I would tell you, um, but I'm just <laughs> like, all right, cool. Like, yo, this motherfucker has like every single color Croc you can imagine. He's got, even he got, got custom. He's got custom Crocs that have the fucking Avengers on it. Like, I, I don't say, even know if they make posties? those. Uh, he's got them all dude he's got like some camouflage ones he's got some like i think those are the post malone ones yeah he's 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 got every color i've ever seen this motherfucker just love loves crocs so kind of as we'll kind of segue into something else here in just a second but uh what is one of your because i feel like being out on tour and especially being in different time zones and and just everything and kind of you know jet lag whatever just getting all kinds of fucked up that you could potentially be in an interesting mindset, maybe not necessarily drunk or whatever, but just kind of like, oh, I'm kind of delirious from jet lag or whatever, and just kind of browsing for shit. What's been one of like other than your your cyberpunk uh, action figure or in action figure? I don't know if it moves. Um, oh, it moves. Yeah, it's got like a sick guitar and everything. Okay, as I say, <laughs> what's been one of your uh, one of your purchases where when you woke up the next day and saw like the confirmation email or whatever, like, oh fuck, I bought that. <laughs> uh we'll see and the the weird thing was when i bought the cyberpunk action figure because it was a pre-order and because it was coming from gamestop it didn't go to my direct mailbox it went to like my promotions mailbox so i didn't even see the confirmation on that and i mean for the most part uh, i tend to not make uh purchases where i'm just like you know I, i i i i can be a really impulsive buyer but because I'm also very indecisive. I have to know exactly for sure. Like, dude, I'm on, even when I'm like doing my Amazon shopping, like, you know, just getting normal stuff for the house, like laundry detergent or dish soap or whatever. Like I'm indecisive and I'm going back and forth. I'm like, well, this one's got more reviews. Oh, but this one's a little bit cheaper and the reviews aren't that bad. And so I kind of just go back and forth. So I'm not really uh, an indecisive purchaser. 
Mm. And I, I can't think of anything that comes to mind of me just be like, oh, fuck. I, I, oh, I should. Actually, you know what? No, no. Yeah, I can't really think of anything. Better man than me. I drunkenly, after watching, after coming back from Atlanta, and we had, uh, we were at a speakeasy, <clears throat> and Ludacris was across from us. So then when we came back, um, my wife started her new thing lately, has been watching uh, old music videos on like I, uh, Apple TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we went through this like whole phase of like Atlanta hip hop that she apparently missed on, but is whatever. So as we're watching some of these, I kept seeing like, I just recently got the white on white of this, like a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Cause like watching a big boy uh, from an outcast video from like way back in the day, like him having it, I was like, fuck, I always wanted that hat and I could never find it. And then through scouring the internet, I finally found one. Mm-hmm. But I drunkenly bought an Atlanta Braves starter jacket <laughs> that was like <laughs> on Poshmark for ten dollars. And I, I mean, yo, up, for ten bucks, I know. But I had no recollection until I looked at my email and I was like, the fuck did I buy from Poshmark? What the fuck is Poshmark? And then I like looked at my email. And I was like, yo, that's a tight jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was almost like getting restoked on it all over again. And sadly, the the person uh, never reply to me buying it and then they were just like uh it's been 20 days if you just want to cancel the order you can so then i was like cool i'll just reinvest it in a Deion sanders jersey soon <laughs> <laughs> but it's always funny talking to some people who are like oh so i woke up and i bought like a new set of pots and pans or like just weird shit that people buy because they are on weird shit no dude like i'm i'm such i'm so indecisive when it comes to everything like, are you that I, way with your musical gear? Like, if you're buying gear, no, uh, because I'm more knowledgeable about musical gear than I am about household products. <laughs> like, dude, even this shirt, I found this shirt, and it's an actual Bethesda shirt. Okay. Um, it, like it says Bethesda id Software on the collar there. Uh, like, I saw this shirt for sixteen bucks on Amazon, and I was like, oh, am I gonna buy it? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> All the other sizes are twenty bucks, so that means I have to buy this size in for sixteen bucks. And I thought about looking at the reviews. I'm like, oh man, I got I saw some really bad reviews that it's like really shitty. And then there was like from a couple of years ago, there was like a review. It's like this isn't this shirt fucking sucks. And I'm like, oh no. And then I went down and saw one that was from a few months ago. There's like, no, they fixed it. It's the actual shirt. Don't worry, you're not going to get a piece of shit product if you do. They'll either refund you or send you a replacement. I'm like, all right, I feel good about this. And I got it. I saw, I bought it. And they were saying that, like, oh, it looks like there's a border around the shirt. And I like looked up. I'm like, nah, man, this is like a real, this is like a Bethesda <laughs> fucking Doom t shirt, dude. So I'm like, yo, I lucked out. I got this shit for 16 bucks. Did you see that someone, yeah, it was Doom. I was like, did you see that someone could play Doom on a pregnancy a fucking... test? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty ridiculous. Oh, shit. Um, So I kind of want to talk a little bit more about your podcast. Um, You know, something I think that's interesting talking to other podcasters or people who have been doing it for a while is asking them what they've learned about themselves as far as communication and how they communicate. I say fucking um way too much, and I'm I'm really trying to to not do that. But have you gotten to the point now where you know what your ums, ands and likes look like in a wave file? Or way format? No, no, I'm, no, I'm not that. But see, here's the thing. That's actually how I talk. 
Mm. Like, because when a lot of people do the ums and ands and likes when they're doing a podcast, it's because uh, they don't know how to speak on a microphone. They, they, they're thinking too much about like, Oh, um, uh, uh, but when I talk to people, like I say, like, and, um, and wool a lot, my wool is actually like, it's actually well, but it comes out as wool. Um, so that's actually how I talk. So it's for me to like get out of the trying to stop saying um is really hard because it's literally how I talk. The thing that was interesting to me, and it wasn't until really going back and editing some of the episodes more, was that I realized when talking to foreign people, not from here in the US, I noticed that when they don't have the idea completely able to be articulated they stop they think they think of what they want to say and then they go they don't just keep rambling on Mm -hmm. and i started taking that same philosophy and trying to do the same because when you're editing if you're just rambling through trying to edit that out and sequence it back up it's so hard nightmare it's a nightmare it's absolutely a nightmare so a lot of times it's a lot gotten- easier to shorten that that blank dead space than it is to than it is to like well you know i was uh, doing this oh wait fuck i fucked that up uh, i'll try it again um yeah so it's definitely taught me to not be afraid of not having what i want to say right away to stop and think about what i want to say and get it out the right way for the first time yeah as well as i think it's made me a better listener overall oh i mean the one that was that was one of the main reasons why I got rid of my notes is because I felt like I was paying more attention to my notes than I was the person that was talking in front of me. Um, and so by getting rid of the notes and talking to people, listening and like not just waiting for my turn to speak, mm. but actually listen to what they were saying and add to what did they add to what they are saying. It's it's definitely made me a better listener and it helps me because I mean, we all get sidetracked, mm. but it helps me kind of stay on point. And if there's anything else, cause I mean, dude, I repeat myself so fucking much <laughs> in my podcast. It's not even fucking funny, but, um, it just, it really helps, you know, you know, helps listening, helps bringing up topics or sidelining or just be like, Hey, Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I almost, I almost thought you were going <laughs> to have more to say. <laughs> no, just stopped really abruptly. That was an exclamation. <laughs> yeah. You know, See, it, I, still, I still haven't nailed it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. it's and, and I think that's kind of the interesting thing. And I think what's, you know, something that I've always liked about Doc and it's, it's what I think separates some of my favorite podcasters from those that I kind of start leaning away from. You know, some like I, I love Justice Podcast most of the time, but something that drives me nuts is that he'll go down a tangent and never come back to the cool thing that he was talking about. <laughs> he is terrible at it. I try to not do that because I have been like in a situation where I was doing a podcast and someone's like, dude, so what the fuck was the rest of that story? I'm like, what story? And they're like, <laughs> oh, this. I'm like, oh, did I not finish what I was saying? Yeah. And so a lot of times, like what I've realized I've gotten really good at, Doc's really good at this too, is even when they go down tangents, Doc's really good about bringing it back to where oh, yes. he Doc was. Doc is also a very well thought out speaker. He is definitely one of those guys who has a thought process before he speaks and is able to 
like digress really well. Like, oh, I digress, bring it on back. And uh, uh, he is a much better speaker <laughs> than I am. Uh, but you know, it is it is what it is, and that and again, that is another reason why I do enjoy his podcast as well, is just because of how well thought out and well spoken he is. Because I mean, I'm a fucking train wreck, dude, <laughs> and I'm totally fine with being a train wreck. And if you can handle my us and what's and wools and uh, my random fucking tangents, and you know, I, I do I do try to actively bring it back to points I was making because. That does drive me crazy. And sometimes I can do it. Sometimes I can't. But, you know, when you're having a conversation, it's really easy. And that's one thing that that's so much different than having an interview style podcast as just having a conversation is that when you're having a conversation with somebody, it's a lot easier to get lost in like each section as you go. And then you're like, oh, well, we started here. We ended up here. There was like a little trail off right here. And I was supposed to go back, but I forgot to. And, you know, it, it can get a little messy sometimes. And I know it has gotten messy on my show. But again, I, I'm, I'm not doing the podcast for, you know, a, to try to get that sponsor money or for a million bucks. Like I just do it for fun. And people can like it. People cannot like it. I don't care. I'm just going to continue to do my ums, butts, and wools. <laughs> There's your next shirt. <laughs> ums, butts, and wools. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a uh, it was it was kind of interesting because like you know having had doc on this show and even doing one of these i always feel like i have to be bring my a game because like oh you have to doc it out he is the first month he will call you out right away i do I, i've done me and doc have done probably two or three podcasts together and uh he is the first person to call to call you out and that's one thing i love about him i remember when I did his, his X-Man podcast, uh, it was two years ago, I think now. And we were talking about like my, my backstory or whatever. And he's just like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything that we're talking about? I'm like, oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh... <laughs> well, it was like one of those things, like the last time we did one of these live things, you know, we the whole point was really to talk about basketball and talk about the last dance and shit. And somehow, inevitably, it got on to you know, the riots that have been happening and, and a mm-hmm. lot of the shit and got real serious. And when I was done, cause like, you know, we go back through and then drop the audio of these into like midweek feed or whatever, just for an extra fucking thing. And I remember like when I was done, I was like, I can't believe I took it there with doc. Cause like he'll fucking own me. I felt really stupid. And like that, I didn't make any valid points on anything. Then I had a few handful of people reach out to me. They're like, man, you and Doc were like going really well back and forth, had a great rapport feeding off each other really well. Like it was really, it was really good stuff. Like in the beginning there. And I was like, Oh, it didn't feel like that to me. (laughs) No, dude. And I totally get what you're saying. Like, you know, like I said, uh, my, my newest episode of the podcast with Phil Labonte came out today and I know exactly where Phil lies. And I know, you know, he's very libertarian and I tend to be more left of center and I know me and Doc are more all on the same political line than me and Phil are, but me and Phil do have a lot more uh, political views in common than, say, me or Doc. Because Doc, you know, uh, I'm very, very avid pro Second Amendment, and I know Doc, like, if you want guns, cool. He's not like that's not a big prime topic for him, right? 
um, where for me and Phil it is. So, and I always try, like you'll hear in my next episode, <clears throat> with I, I have an episode coming out next week with Danny Case, the lead, the co-frontman from, from Ashes to New. <laughs> he said a really ignorant thing on my podcast once. <laughs> Oh, I mean, dude, it gets it gets it gets pretty it gets pretty ignorant. Uh, he said that a uh, rap or that there weren't really many rap rappers or people doing that in new metal. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously a couple sites picked up on that, and then people were like, "What the fuck? Have you never heard of a yeah, million yeah, yeah. bands?" No, we actually uh, just had a uh, Phil do one of these two, and it's uh, and that was actually going to be something I was going to talk about. So I'll let you say what you're going to say, and then we'll kind of talk about having Phil on because I think it's it's a challenge at times to have Phil on in, in a good way. Yeah. But uh, it's just, it's mainly because Phil is, is so well, he knows what he's talking about. And uh, some of the shit that he's talking about is a little, I feel like it can be a little shit posty, but uh, when I was, like I said, when I was talking, there's certain times, like I said, especially in my next podcast coming up with Danny, that I felt like I had to just stop the conversation. And because I feel like if you don't explain something to the audience, like there's, we were having a conversation about cuties and I was playing devil's advocate. And now when you're, when you get into a conversation like that, if people don't understand that you're playing devil's advocate, they could take you for like, Oh, that's how this guy thinks. So I literally stopped the podcast recorded a little thing like, Hey guys, I had mentioned it very briefly. You may miss it, but I am playing devil's advocate here. Just so you know, um, so that one does, I'm a little, I'm kind of winced a couple times about, you know, what, you know, thank God I don't have a massive audience. You know, <laughs> that's all I got to say. <laughs> so it's kind of funny you bring that up. So I was on, and I don't know if you've seen it. I know he's been advertising on doc show. So maybe you've heard of the name, excuse me. Um, Scott bowling, uh, good company with bowling. He's got a YouTube show and basically he's had like head from corn. Uh, basically, it's almost like a, a Wayne's World type S thing, but like in the, literally in the dude's basement. Um, so mm. when I was in Atlanta, he had me come out and he interviewed me for his show. And uh, the guys that film it, uh, like uh, Nathan Mowry has done like DDP yoga stuff. He's done stuff for AW, uh, shot most of the last couple uh, Fozzie videos and so forth. So mm-hmm. on the up and up. But Scott interviewed me and then basically through knowing me was like, you know, at the time I'm wearing like my Wu-Tang shirt and, you know, I do a predominantly metal hardcore based podcast, but it's like, I love, like, I love TLC. I love Mm. 90s hip hop and R&B. Like, I'm not just hardcore metal dude. And more oftentimes than not, you know, I get a lot of people who are like, so do you not really like this scene? Cause it seems like even though that's kind of your bread and butter, a lot of times like the, the way you dress or the, the things that you, you're talking about, like on your socials are not hardcore metal. And I was like, yeah, but like, I mean, that was a big part of my youth growing up was like the early nineties, you know, especially growing up out East uh, was basically being influenced by the kids I was going to school with uh you know their older brothers you know playing like the first Aaliyah record or you know getting into early biggie and stuff because like he was not that far away mm-hmm. and so in the interview though i was basically talking about like our neighbor who they uh worked with my dad and like i was like you know i grew up next to a black family and like the kid was probably six seven years older than me so like at that young young brother older brother kind of level where you're like i'm eight and everything this dude does i'm like yo this is dope i want to be this dude Mm -hmm. what didn't matter who it was 
or what color he was or anything like that. It's just, yeah, there yeah. was that thing, like everything he does is so cool. And so it, you know, I remember playing NBA live 95 for the first time, or like I said, him throwing on the first Aaliyah record, the school I went to back East, there was more mix of cultures. Mm-hmm. When I moved out here to the Midwest, I remember getting called faggot because I was wearing a Washington Redskins sweatshirt because that wasn't the team out here in the Midwest. And it was the first time I'd really seen. Yeah. But it was the first time I'd really seen segregation or yeah, I guess segregation is the right word. Segregation based on where you as well. Yes. But culturally where you lived. And one of the first things I, and it got cut out thankfully, because I was like, "Ah, I feel a little bit weird about how I kind of said these things. And, you know, I definitely corrected myself and said, you know, people of color and all the appropriate terms now, but you know, something I was kind of talking about that I thought was kind of weird for me was I was like, you know, growing up out on the East Coast and then moving into the Midwest in the mid 90s was fucking weird. It was a culture shock. One of the first musical things I had ever heard from here in the Midwest was ICP. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like total. Cu- yeah, I know. Total culture shock. And I remember just being like, what? What, what is this? Then fast forward just to kind of close the chapter on ICP. Uh, one of the first tours I'd ever did real shitty tour. We went to Greenbrier, Tennessee. I get out of the fucking van after driving 12 and a half hours or 15 hours. And uh, this fucking dude with the most thick Southern accent was just like, are y'all this band from, from Michigan? We're like, yeah. And he was like, y'all like ICP. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I didn't just drive 15 hours to have that be the first question that gets asked to me. Like, where's tell anybody in the middle of nowhere truck stop that you're from Michigan. They'd be like, man, y'all friends with ICP. So the funnier thing is that it's going back to like our conversation about different liquor laws. So I went to the liquor store in the little shopping plaza we were in. And I remember going in and the guy's like, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, I'm looking for a 30 rack. And he was like, what's that? And I was like, it's a 30 pack of beer. And he goes, where do you get those? And I was like, everywhere. Everywhere that people sell beer. So then the guy goes, oh, we don't have those, but you can get a 24 and a six pack. And I was like, I can count to 30. That wasn't the, <laughs> that wasn't the problem. I wanted it all. Like, yo, man, a 30 rack of Coors Light is like 1899. But if you want me to buy, <laughs> you know, you yeah. want me to buy a 20 pack and a six pack or whatever, 24 pack and a six pack. I was like, that's a lot more than 1899. But I just remember like, the, yeah, but like that was like a weird thing for me is like growing up in a completely different area and just being exposed to different shit. And I kind of feel like at times, like especially in the episode that doc just dropped with his dad, I got a little bit of that again, like where it's like sort of the culture shock of doc growing up in the East coast where he did, and then kind of touring for the first time. So, so early and so young. And I feel like that's part of a thing where at times where if maybe we say things that are not pc anymore it's because like well we grew up in a different time period than everybody that is around now and we're still kind of adopting to new vernacular yeah and i mean i i talk, i touched i touched with this with uh with eric and rebecca and it's just like you know yeah you know you're up where where you grew up can dictate some nasty things you might have said when you were growing up but it's up to you to change it um and not be as ignorant you know be it unknowingly at the time um and it's just you know if you can move out of where you grew up or you know visit travel that's honestly that is absolutely when you said that i was like yes because all of my traveling like when i went and sorry to cut you off one of my 
in my travels of going at least here in the states and hopefully next year like over to uh if if we can uh go abroad uh to like europe or something is i just feel like i have learned so much about the world we live in just based on traveling and seeing different places and seeing the different kinds of people and where they live and how they live. Mm-hmm. That's informed me to be a more understanding person, I think. And I, I don't think, I don't see how it can't. Yeah. Well, see most, most of the places that I've been, you know, are, are, you know, they're normal. Like, you know, they're just like the USA. They're, you know, they're a first world country. They have indoor toilets, you know, whatever. Um, but like the only places I've actually ever had culture so- shock, like it wasn't in Russia. Hmm. I was shocked to, to like be surprised, like oh, like Russia seems pretty fucking normal. Uh, but the but the one place that I went to that I actually got the most culture shock was South America, because where especially when you're flying into Santiago in Chile, the airport is about two hours away from Santiago, hour and a half, two hours. And you're just driving on this freeway. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of the most beautiful, lush, green mountains you'll ever see in your life. And apparently the southern tip of of Chile is amazing to go skiing and snowboarding in. Um, But when you're driving from Santiago International Airport to Santiago, there's literally shanty towns like Mm. in the medians of the freeway on the side of the freeway like houses that literally look like they were put together with plywood and tarps Mm. and that's when you kind of see like oh because you know south america isn't really isn't really a first world country you know (laughs) yeah um there's a lot of struggle there's a lot of hunger there's a lot of pain there's a lot of shit that they don't have access to because you know they're a poorer country but just seeing where, you know, a lot of the how a lot of the population lives in South America um, compared to their major cities, which is where most people go to, you know, um, it's that's been the only only culture shock. And how a lot of those people are still pr- like fairly happy. They're not like, you know, too. I mean, I'm sure they're probably bummed, but I mean, you know, they're <laughs> not like, you know, they're not like our homeless people, you know. Right. Yeah, that was like a big shock for me going out to Portland the first time and or the only time at this point, but like just seeing the just massive amounts of homeless that are just like on the streets and no one cares. Oh yeah. Do like like, da- like downtown Portland is like yeah, so sketchy at nighttime and I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I love I love Portland. Um I love the Pacific Northwest, but like there's there's some spots in Seattle that are like that too, like up in Capitol Hill, and I mean, fuck, I haven't been up there since all this crazy like Chaz shit was going on. But um, you know, it's it's definitely it's it's really fucking weird. And a lot of those people, like that's how they want to live. So it doesn't matter. Like you could literally give them a million bucks, and they'd be like, oh, I don't give a shit. I want to live on. I want to live off the grid. Yeah. It's it's funny as you said that it reminded me of a I'd probably have the guitar company mix, but I think it was Martin. Uh maybe it was Taylor. Um had a video of Tim Armstrong playing his his signature acoustic, mm-hmm. but he's basically busking sitting on the outside of some place just with his case open playing this like really expensive ass guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, kind of conflicting ideals. Like, yes, he's a punk rock icon, and it looks like you know he's still 
looks very homeless with that giant ass beard of his and shit. But then it's like, yeah, but he's got like a very expensive guitar. <laughs> well, I mean, they did something similar in the New York city subway where they had like that world renowned violinist playing a fucking mm. Stradivarius with the fucking violin case open. And for those of you who don't know what a Stradivarius violin is, is there's not very many of them. They're handmade and they're worth over a million dollars, a violin. <laughs> <laughs> um, Something that was kind of interesting, you know, that I wanted to ask you about talking to Phil, because like I know we went two and a half hours uh, with Phil on this uh, a couple weeks ago, and we're gonna probably post. Oh, that that's next super week. easy. That's super uh, easy oh. to do with Phil. But the the thing that's sort of interesting about it though is like I feel like half the time I didn't know how we ended up where we did. Mm. Like he would be talking, and I'm like, wait, how did we get here? <laughs> yeah. Like honestly, like I would try to go back and because it would be like, let's try not. Let's try not to make it political. Let's try just to kind of have a, a fun conversation about a, a handful of things. Yeah. Like, you know, about him twit like doing Twitch streaming and so forth. And then the next thing I know, like we're talking about gun like gun rights and so forth. I'm like, how, how the fuck did we get here from Twitch? <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised and and like if you I'm not sure if you've listened to the to the episode that I dropped. It'll today. be to, I'll listen to it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, like we didn't start out talking about guns. Like that's like over halfway through. Like we're <laughs> talking about like <laughs> we're like we're like talking about trying to get rid of Facebook and fucking you know whatever and uh, a bunch of different stuff before that even like hits the ground. We're like making fun of Alex Jones and shit like that, you know. So <laughs> I mean, it, it, the, the subject of Alex Jones in itself can be you know political or whatever. But you know, we were just kind of I was talking about how I couldn't find the video of him on Infowars. Mm. Um. And, oh, uh, of uh, Phil on Infowars? Yeah, I, w- I was because I was looking for the video of him on Infowars, and they basically scrubbed that from the the nicer parts of the internet. So it's weird <clears> that like that's apparently going on now with Joe Rogan. It seems like, at least on Spotify. Um, no, I don't know if that's going on with 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 him on Spotify. I know he misspoke about some things happening in Portland and then like the Spotify execs were like, Oh, we got to listen to these podcasts before they go out or something. But I'm not exactly sure because well, I've heard like, episodes, <clears throat> like some of the more provocative episodes are just gone. They're not on Spotify. Uh, oh yeah. So I know the Alex Jones ones aren't on there. I know yep. the Gavin McInnes, Gavin McInnes episodes aren't on there. Uh, which in reality, fuck Gavin McInnes. Um, <laughs> And I know there there's a couple more controversial ones uh, out that aren't on there as well. But I mean, you have to you have to remember. I, I think we have until they have until December first, because I think that's when Joe Rogan becomes exclusive gotcha. exclusive to Spotify. So that, that's probably I don't even know. They might even take them off YouTube. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I know that'll be that'll be taken off every other. You know, you won't find him on Apple Podcasts anymore. You won't find him anywhere else besides, I mean, why else, you know, why else would they be like, yo, here's a hundred million dollars. And he doesn't even have, he doesn't even have sponsors anymore. He's just like, I got, I got, I got this much money now. I don't need sponsors for the podcast anymore. Yeah. I, I listened to him in the beginning. Like when I, like it was like him, Marin, Kevin Smith and uh, Chris Hardwick were my like, first couple of podcasts I started listening to religiously. And then Rogan just got to be so overwhelming with the, the amount of time it would take to get through an episode Mm. where I was like, 
maybe I needed to dedicate like a day, but then he started dropping multiple episodes a week that are like three hours long. And you're like, I don't got that kind of time, dude. <laughs> well, I know like the first episode he did for Spotify was with Duncan Trussell and that was five and a half hours long. It took me a week to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets a little bit rough. Um, I do want to ask you a weird question. And, and if you don't want to answer this, it's totally fine. It's just something, uh, the, the, curious person in me wants to to know mm -hmm. um so obviously during this this covid time you in as in the bad wolves uh camp have been you guys launched a patreon which i think is interesting uh obviously bands like uh process the hero and shit have been kind of doing similar things to release albums release exclusive content mm -hmm. um you know bands are doing live streams and so forth but it seems like you know, you guys are constantly in the news, the music news for the covers you're releasing on Patreon. And the thing that's been interesting about it to me is it seems like it has garnered so much negativity thrown at you guys. And it has made me wonder if like you guys pay I mean, I'm sure you don't pay attention to it, but it is one of those things where it just kind of makes me wonder in light of like, you know, touring with Nickelback, touring with Five Finger, like bands that are quote unquote the most hated bands in metal or rock or so on and so forth. If some of these things, if they have kind of taught you how to kind of uh, traverse some of this shit that you guys are getting as a result of some of the things you're doing now. Um, well, first of all, I like the one thing that I take away from listening to Joe Rogan for as long as I have is don't read the comments because when I do, I, I will, I do get upset and I have responded to people um that they might not understand and maybe they're attacking us like with the covers i get people are upset because we haven't made them available publicly is that what like, it is yeah because I've, okay I, but i mean I'm, I'm getting to the, i'm getting to the point um we haven't made them available publicly only on the patreon people are like well i can't afford ten dollars a month and that's fine I understand that you can't afford ten dollars a month, and then they'll be like, "You're just another fucking cover band," or you're just like, "You're a cover. You've 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 made your career fucking stealing other people's music." And I'm like, first of all, bud, my response is always, "We have two albums. One of those songs on those two albums is a cover. The rest of that material is all one hundred percent original. We have we have five going on six number the one rock singles, hits." Yeah. And four of those, four going on five of those is original material. So you might not like how we're doing our business, but I mean, for the, for the, for the price of a pack of smokes a month, cigarettes are about $10 a month. Yeah. For the, for the price of a, cause they're about 10 smokes are about a 10, $10 a pack here. Uh, for, for the price of a pack of smokes a month, which is far less than any admission ticket. Like if you were going to concerts every single month, uh, for $10 a month, you get anywhere from two to four exclusive songs, which they could be B sides, rarities, covers. They've been covers lately because, um, we're working on our third record and it's just, unfortunately doing covers the way that we do it is a lot easier than coming up with new specific material just for the patreon but we also have like i said b-sides and rarities you know me doc and chris are on there you know i'm on there on monday uh 
Chris is on there on Wednesday. Doc's on there on Thursday doing, you know, live Q and A's. We're jamming. We're on there for like, you know, sometimes I'm on there for two, two hours, man, two and a half hours. So it's like, it's really, and it's like, we have our own like bad wolves, Patreon fan page that was created by some of the Patreon fans. And it's like a little, it's like a little group, like family. And it's like, so it's not only are you getting exclusive merch, songs, experiences, Q and A's, but it's like, you're kind of like becoming part of the, this like secondary family. Cause I mean, dude, a lot of, a lot of, you know, not just a lot of these people have gone through problems like, you know, hard hardships during uh, COVID and stuff like that. And I have honestly, I have never seen a larger support system for other people. It's always positive. Like, you know, I've seen like, oh, you know, my, my, my brother committed suicide and I've all these comments where they're just like, Hey, text me, call me. Like I got you. Like it's, 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 becoming kind of like just like an like i said like a family Hmm. and regardless if you appreciate the way that we do our business unfortunately we can't there's a lot of red tape when you release covers and honestly with with releasing them publicly like that red flags yeah it would just it wouldn't bring in the amount of you know, income for the band itself. That's not even like for us individually as band members. Like we got to a certain point to where the machine needs to stay well oiled. We don't want to disappear into obscurity. We still have budgets regardless. We still have people that work for us regardless if we're touring or not. So we need to make sure that, yeah, we as a band do get a little bit of cash in our pocket, but it's not as much as people would, would definitely think. And it's definitely not as much as what we would be making if we were able to tour and sell our merch. Like, dude, it's not even half. Right. So, I mean, it's not like we're sitting here being greedy. <laughs> Bitches, give me your money. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're just trying to keep afloat, but also have a platform where we can engage more personally with our fans. And I get it. Some people do feel excluded because they can't afford it. And, like it doesn't make you any less of a fan if you can't afford 10 bucks a month. And it's like, you don't have to buy like six months at a time. Like you can buy a month. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like, yo, you can go get a big Mac meal for the same. You can watch, get one month of battles, Patreon, check it out, see if you like it. And if it's not something you're into, like, yo, I'm only going to say this. I don't know how many people are watching this right now, but people are like bitching like, Oh, I can't, I can't download the songs. Like, you do know how to capture audio from a computer, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you want these songs, it ain't that hard to figure out. Pay your $10. And, yo, there's, like, fucking 20 songs up there right now. So, it, you know, people are people are going to hate. And, honestly, when it comes to this shit with, like, the Nickelback and Five Finger Death Punch, like, I'm really good friends with Mike Kruger, uh, the bass player for Nickelback. He's one of my, I, you know, we check in, call each other all the time. You know, I lived with him for a week when I was going through a really bad breakup last year. And, uh, and I mean, I look at dudes like Mike and dudes like Zoltan and, you know, Chris and you know what, if they're going to, if they're going to compare us to, to five finger death punch, bring on the hate, because I mean, I have really not seen more successful, happy, generous, and just all around, like defeating odds of being in a heavier band, 
um, and being able to not only make a living off of it, make a good living off of it. So honestly, you know, the one thing that I, I have taken from talking to Zoltan about, you know, about how he deals with the hate, he's like, I laugh because for every one person that hates us, there's 10,000 more that love us. So the more the more we're hated, the more we're loved. And I mean, dude, those guys, I mean, dude, Nickelback has sold like fucking 70 million records. You know, people are lying. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers is lying. You know what I, I mean? I just remember, like, I remember Yo, Mike, Mike Kruger lives in Bell Lugosi's old mansion in the Hollywood Hills. Do you think he's fucking crying okay. because someone says that they don't like Nickelback? <laughs> no, he ain't. <laughs> it's like, I remember going, I've only seen Five Finger once, uh, and it was at a, a casino gig. You know, those ones that just pay straight fucking paper. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I remember, like, you know, they aren't necessarily the thing for me but i respect the hell out like especially after the hired guns documentary came out like i've always respected everyone in the band for like zoltan is the quintessential american dream honestly that motherfucker like if you want to know what was that immigrant too yeah but i mean like you want to talk about like the immigrant story coming to america with five dollars in your pocket and making something of yourself like that motherfucker is the epitome of that story you look at mclaren dog (laughs) i mean you look at like ivan like the dude who has gone through a ton of shit publicly has come on the other side and i mean he has the phoenix tattoo on his fucking face granted we're working on i'll announce this shit we're working on a a sponsorship with with uh moody's medicinals but i gotta work on that shit but uh it's a it's a thing where all those bands i mean I remember turning around like we were leaving early to to go back home because we had a like three hour drive from the casino gig. And I remember just turning around and looking at probably 10,000 people absolutely engrossed in what was happening while Five Finger was playing. And I was like, may not necessarily I was like, may not be my thing, but I can't knock it because proof is in the pudding. It's right here. Dude, that's it. it's a good show. Regardless if you like the music or not, you'll definitely be entertained. Like if you're if like, you know, if your girlfriend or whatever likes Five Finger Death Punch, like just let her drag you to yeah. a show. It's like, yo, know, all the pyro and lasers and fucking homie goes up on this fucking platform that goes like 40 feet in the air doing a fucking guitar solo. And there's lasers shooting everywhere like you'll be fucking entertained at least, you know? Do you want to know the show? And I know I, th- I think I've talked about this once or twice on the podcast, but the show that really changed my mind on a lot of that kind of shit was uh, for a little bit there, a little bit I was doing uh, local reviews of shows here in town. And I always got tagged like the metal hardcore dude. So like I never got to go review the shows I wanted to. So I remember mm-hmm. see my wife and I went to go see Janet Jackson. And lo and behold, they couldn't get a free ticket for their their writer. And then the publicist hits me up and he's like, hey, can you write a review for this show? And I was like, sure. And I remember like jotting my notes down and I was like real pissed because like the band was literally in the shadows on the stage. Like, you know, they're playing Black Cat, sick guitar riff, band's fucking locked in. Reminds me of like all the Terry Terry uh, Lewis and Jimmy Jam stuff of like the, like I said, the early 90s and so forth. Uh-huh. And I was just fucking like so bummed that like, the things that I thought were important weren't being presented. And obviously Janet's lip syncing and shit like that. And I remember my wife just kind of grabbed my hand as I was typing something in my phone, a note. And she just goes, look around. People don't give a fuck about any of the things you're writing. People are here to have a good fucking time. Look at this couple in front of us. Like they're dressed to the fucking tens. They're showing out. They're dancing. They're remembering like probably when they were in like 
like senior year of high school or some shit like for yeah. some people like they're having a good fucking time and it doesn't matter that the musicians aren't on display it doesn't matter that she's lip syncing she's providing the show that everyone wants yeah i mean like when you get to that level when you're in arena band like you know the I won't say that the music comes second, but when you get to that point in your career, it has to be a show. You are you are now an entertainer. Yeah, you're not you're not fucking between the buried and me standing there playing your records exactly how they're meant to be heard or whatever. Like you're there for the big, the fire, the lights, the fucking lasers. Like I said, homie, doing guitar solo forty feet up in the fucking air. Like that's what you're there for. You're there for the show. And honestly, it doesn't matter. Like like you know. Like in 20 years, there could be a fucking fake kiss band literally playing along to kiss tracks, not even plugged in, no real gear. They're just pantomiming. I mean, (laughs) you know, and as long as there's a good show there, people won't give a shit because that's what they want to see is they want to see the show. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was that was a really big reminder for me that it's it's sometimes I need to as the like staunch musician whatever that i need to let go of that sometimes and i need to just enjoy what's being presented to me mm-hmm. and because that's how probably 99 percent of the fucking audience is looking at it yeah and once she kind of said that it's definitely unlocked a lot more of taking in shows and watching everyone have a good time. Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, between booking shows, writing about show reviews, where I, I want to try to make someone feel like they were there and also doing service to the people who were there, it's ruined shows for me. Like, I, I just, I can't, I can't walk into a show without thinking, okay, so what is, what, 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 what maybe is the guarantee? What is everyone making? And okay, the bands probably are losing 20%, 25% off their merch sales. This band's not doing so hot, so that's probably not very good for them. Uh, you know, just, just things like that, like, you know, like breaking down the numbers and the finances and it, sometimes that's, that's the unfortunate thing for me is I, I take myself out of those shows. So when she kind of did that, it kind of allowed me to get back into just being a fan of being at the the spectacle as it were. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude, I totally get that. Like I wouldn't go to shows when I wasn't on tour for the longest time because I'd be like going in, I'd be like, Oh fuck. I know exactly what's going on. Like, Oh, and I'm going to bug them. They got to go do their meet and greet. But like now, like, like, you know, if I get if I'm lucky enough to get invited by one of my friends to one of their shows that they're playing locally, you know, like I, I kind of like they don't really care if I'm there to watch the show like they want. They just want to hang. Yeah. You know, so I'm like there and I try to, you know, bring them whatever they may need or, you know, Absolutely. try to not be in the way and try not to drink all their rider beer. <laughs> What am I like? And that's something we've kind of talked about on the show is like, you know, I have a lot of friends. um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. I don't think maybe Doc did. Uh, a friend of mine is doing the for the nomads thing. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Did I you think, guys? I, I think one of my microphones is up there. Okay, so okay, so then you've already done it, so I won't bother you to do it again. Um, but like a friend of mine, Frank, uh, he was actually supposed to be on that tour you guys were gonna do within this moment, um, mm. with uh, Andy or Blackville Brides, but he uh. Like there are times like where I've gone, like one of my, my favorite stories to tell is like, I went out to Detroit, which is like two and a half hours away from here. And just to go hang out with him, he was on tour with Pennywise and uh, Rancid. And you know, when I got there, I had an all access pass and shit. And I hung out in the lobby with him while he was uh, doing merch, watching a Yankees game. And I was like, and people were like, 
so did you watch any of the show? And I was like, nope. I think I maybe poked my head in during Rancid set just to be like, eh, I saw him. Yeah. But like, I was like, no, I, I was there to hang out with my friend. And like, people don't seem to understand that it's like, if you're friends with someone, sometimes I feel like the friendships I've made with people that are in touring bands are actually more uh, meaningful to me than some of the friends friends I have. Because mm-hmm. I feel like there's nothing to gain from either one of us. Like they have nothing to gain from me and I really have nothing to gain from them, especially only getting to hang out with some people for 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. But they yeah. are, but I know that they are some of the most genuine, real down to earth people I've ever fucking met. And it's one of those things where of course I would drive two and a half hours to go hang out with my friend for three hours and, yeah. you know, go into work the next day, dog ass tired because I had a good time hanging with my friend. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, it kind of makes me go, well, why wouldn't you go do that? Like, why wouldn't you do that? If that's your, if you have a friend, why wouldn't you go do these things for them? And yeah. I, and I've kind of started to learn to put it back on the other people where I'm like, well, why wouldn't you go hang out with a friend if they were in town for like a day? Like if that's all, if you knew you weren't going to see him for six more months, like, wouldn't you go hang out with them? Yeah. Wouldn't you try? Yeah. And I just feel like that kind of speaks more volumes to the people that, you know, I guess indirectly you, interact with where they're like no i guess i wouldn't and it's like well i guess you're kind of a shitty friend <laughs> <laughs> but uh kind of in wrapping this up because uh we we've almost gone rogan-esque uh with this um yeah we're almost we're almost at two hours here yeah um obviously you just put out the new episode with phil uh you you talked about how you have the new episode coming up next week with uh the danny from uh from matches new yeah when, new uh, episodes every wednesday at 5 a.m pst what a <laughs> That's really thankfully i know you have it scheduled to just drop i know you're not releasing them at that point on your own <laughs> no yeah they're all scheduled like i have my next four episodes scheduled i i, I do it so early be, mainly because i have a friend who works the a really early shift and he's yep. always just like I'm, I'm driving for work at like five four five six o'clock in the morning and your podcast is not i'm like all right cool i'll do it early just for you brad <laughs> <laughs> what uh I asked Doc this uh, toward the end of our, our Facebook live thing. Who are some of your guests that you want to get on? Just even if it's not to do an interview per se, but just to bullshit, who are some of your your uh, your bucket list people that you want to get on the show? I mean, I haven't really thought about this too much because I think when when I was doing the podcast before, I was so enamored with like, who can I get? Who can I get? You know, I think at the time, I think the biggest person I had on, on my last podcast um was probably you know mark holcomb from from periphery and they had just like finished um it was this was in 2016 so i think they had just finished uh doing stuff for periphery three maybe sounds right yeah so um so with that uh they were super popular at that point and I th- that that episode had the most the most listens i think i'd ever got on fucking anything i had like seventeen thousand listeners on that and that was just off off of SoundCloud. That's not even counting Apple. Yeah. Um, but now as I'm getting into it, like honestly, just having guests line up, I don't I don't fucking really care who they are, you know, as long as you know it's a good conversation and they share. That's that's pretty much it. Because I'm not trying to like get the biggest and the best, you know. I I had Phil on who is, you know, who is a big name. Um but I had him on to talk about something that I care about a lot. And I know that he would be able to talk about it better than I would be because he is much smarter in that field than I. 
So I'm also not afraid to have people who are smarter than me on come on my show, talk about shit that I don't really know about, school me completely, <laughs> and like I'm not afraid of it. So it's like I don't care. Right now I'm I'm in talks with one of my one of my mutual friends to get Jeremy Cordell on the show. Which if you don't know who Jeremy Cordell is, he did the uh, Bob Lazar Area 51 and Flying Saucers documentary. Okay um i'm trying to get him on that would be that would be a really 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 big one for me mainly just because of his following mm. um but i i don't really care like i i basically i had told the person who i know that i'm like dude he doesn't even have to fucking advertise like he doesn't have to advertise if he doesn't want to i'm not trying to get listeners out i just want to talk to him about about ufos and aliens and bob lazar and uh i was like he can give me a list of shit that we can't talk about and that's perfectly fine like i i I would i'm trying to cater i'm trying to cater to make it so he is more comfortable with coming on my show than just be like all right who the fuck is this joe schmo or whatever (laughs) so i mean i'm working on that right now and honestly anybody who is like i'm trying to branch out of the music scene to try to get maybe more um different types of artists or um vloggers or youtubers i've reached out to a few youtubers i'm still waiting to get a response um but uh you know basically just anybody i don't i don't really care i'm not discriminatory i uh i've definitely enjoyed what you've done so far uh thank you i think i think it's actually I mean, no offense i think it's better than what you were doing i think it's more interesting personally uh, oh, I also what... sucked more at speaking then too. <laughs> well, I guess my that... first podcast with Doc was the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. I'm kind of glad that fucking Tour Bus Confidential got scrubbed from the internet. Jesus, you know that was actually something I talked about on Scott's thing because I was on the Good Company with Bowling interview I did, where I was like, you know, I, I kind of like keeping them up because sometimes I'll go back and listen to them and be like, oh fuck, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, how to. Just, I mean, if I told you the way I used to record, like you'd be like, "What the fuck?" Like that's some. Oh, my my way was fucking. I had this mixer going everywhere, and I didn't even have that. Literally, I had a blue Yeti microphone, and uh, the like. The very first episode I did was literally in person with a friend of mine. Like, so that was fine. But a lot of them that I was doing from there on, like where the person obviously is not in the room with me, I had my iPad and a blue Yeti microphone, and I would put it on speaker, and I was. Oh Jesus. And if I now that you know that, if you were to go back and listen, you might be like, I it does not sound like that. Um, yeah, I was fortunate. Like my first podcast, like was funded by my cousin who owns the fantasy football guys and does the fantasy football guys. Um, and like he bought me this mixer and these like $30 sure microphones. And actually, I'm not going to lie. My $38 sure microphones. So if you listen to my podcast that I did with Eric and Travis. I'm not using Sure SM7s. I'm using Sure $38 microphones to do those podcasts, and they sound great. These are my microphones that I would take with me if you listen to some of the ones I did with Doc in person. These are the Amazon specials for like 20 bucks. Gets you the arm, the cables, all the shit. Yeah. Pretty fucking solid. <clears throat> I mean, dude, the, the I don't know. I don't know exactly like, you know, the audio difference between like, you know, the ones I do from home or the ones that I did in person with Travis. But I mean, dude, that's you don't need much. You don't need much. You can get it. You can get an interface for like 70, 80 bucks and a fucking couple thirty eight dollar fucking microphones. And dude, audacity is free. I've always, I've always said, and this is how I started the podcast. And I think anyone who wants to start it should follow this advice. 
don't let the lack of technology or what you can afford hinder you from creating something that you will enjoy doing. Yeah. That'll come down the road. Like I have a fucking $500 mixer right next to me. I have a what? $500 microphone that we're both using. Like, Dude, eventually the, you're, you'll the get interface, there. the interface that's going from my microphone to my, to my laptop is like $400 microphone, $700 fucking, uh, um, fucking input. Oh, but I also have a $400 fucking Neve transformer going into a $5,000 MacBook pro. You know what I mean? So, but you don't need that shit. No. I mean, the funny thing is, is like, for whatever reason, my like zoom, you know, L eight, whatever won't fucking go into my laptop. So Mm -hmm. my like $80 Behringer, like for interface, like mixing board, like thing, Dude, Behringer, honestly, actually, I had this. I was I was talking about this with somebody else. So Behringer makes these knockoff pedals. I have one. I have, a, the, I have a TU a TU two, but it's like the TU whatever. All right. So any of the pedals that Behringer makes that are ripoffs of analog products are literally the exact thing that you're going to get because it's digital components that are much harder to duplicate. Or I'm sorry, it might be the other way around. All I know is that. The the Sansamp bass driver DI and the um and the Behringer version of that are literally the exact same fucking thing. Same with like I, th- I think it's the analog; it can't replicate. But if it's a digital pedal, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. If it's a digital signal, it can replicate it basically exactly the same for you know thirty bucks as opposed of like fucking three hundred. Yeah. But. Yeah, it, it's funny getting into all this, and then you just start buying shit, and you're like, "Do I need all this?" Like, I kind of liked it yes. better when it was like a USB microphone, and then I was just more <laughs> focused on the content or doing what I was doing versus like having all of this pro shit. But after a while, I mean, it's like anything. Like, I mean, I have like I suck uh, as a musician, but it's like I have you know, I just bought like three new guitars. I just bought an EVH, like my first EVH. Uh, like I have a real head. I just bought that uh, EL34 that they mm-hmm. been yeah the stealth out. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, have one of those. Bought a Mesa like four by twelve uh, slanted cab, and it's like I'll never need any of that shit for just me playing in this room I'm in currently. But I wanted it, so yeah, I bought it. I mean, dude. <laughs> I mean yeah, dude. Like, uh, and that's one thing I've kind of learning as as because I've started dipping into the YouTube stuff as well as you know. Um, getting i'm like lighting is more important don't worry about your fucking camera like then if if there's going to be one thing that you buy for your camera it's got it's either going to be a new lens or a different way to light and it's because i'm and i'm like trying to do it as cheap as possible like most of my youtubes are edited in iMovie i'm and like the camera i bought was used for five hundred dollars it's not the best camera but you know what it does me pretty fucking well it's a 1080p you know it's 60 frames per second it does what it needs to do and I'm like, you know, I'm looking at all these, you know, like the Sony a a seven three or, and I'm just like, why, why do I don't, I don't need to do that. <laughs> the gear comes along, just get good at the craft. It's like yeah. the reason why I have fucking over a thousand dollars that I input my guitars to is because I mean, that's what I'm recording with. I, I'm literally recording bad wolves bass tracks that are going on the actual album in this, in this seat. So it's like I need to have good quality stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's just I'm just sending DI, but the quality of the DI is what needs to be like tip top shape. And the interface and the and the um and the DI that I'm using are the same that our producers are using. So I'm just like, all right, that makes sense for me to have those. But I've 
you know, I've been playing for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't worry about having, you know, shitty gear to start out with. Like, dude, I'm writing a fucking synthwave album on this tight. You know, and uh, dude, I have I have a big keyboard. I have a fucking 49 key fucking native instruments. Hate it. I'm going to sell it because <laughs> I like my it. little I like <laughs> I like my little baby keyboard better. I almost feel like I need to hook you up with a if you're not friends with him already, Andrew from the Ghost Inside, because he's big on uh, synthwave shit. Like he turned me on to some a, a couple of different uh, acts. We, we have a few mutual friends in com uh, in common, and uh, I know that uh, my guitar player Chris is really is really dreams. good friends. Yeah, uh, yep. him and Zach are really good friends. So yeah, um, I don't I don't know if I've met Chris. I've met Zach. And I know I should I should hook you guys up so you could do an interview or do a podcast with Andrew because like he just sits at home all day so like he would have time but like I, oh, feel like you yeah. guys would, I feel like you guys would have a fucking blast just bullshitting. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd be down with that. Feel free to to set that up if you'd like. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll do that. And uh, where can I mean I know we're on a, technically a form of social media, but where can uh, people find you, the podcast, or whatever you would like to plug? Um, all right, so don't fucking add me on Facebook, all right? There's too many mother there's too many of you motherfuckers as it is. Uh follow me on Twitter, Instagram. I've been surprised you've been using it a little bit more recently. Yeah, I'm trying to get back in the whole Twitter thing, you know what I mean? It's a good time. I was because I can scream things into the ether and I don't get my mom's fucking cousin's uncle's brother's best friend fucking telling me what a fucking lib pansy I am. You know what I mean? I've always said Twitter is where you're going to get real people's opinions on things because most people aren't following them on it. So you're going to get a more honest look exactly. into someone's life. Exactly. So, all right. So Instagram and Twitter is the same. It's KS Conkeel, K-S-K-O-N-K-I-E-L. You can visit my merch store, even though I'm not selling t-shirts anymore. I'm still selling autograph pictures and guitar picks. I have 12 designs of guitar picks on my website. It is kyleconkeel.bigcartel.com. And you can look up my uh, my podcast, which is just STFU, which is short for just shut the fuck up. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Well, thank you so much for coming on and bullshitting for over two hours. Uh, definitely feel better about this one than the 10-minute the press junket you did at Sonic <laughs> Temple a couple years ago. Where... Yeah, no worries. I'm sorry. I'm Oh, and by the way, um, uh, me and Jonathan here share a birthday where we're going to do a birthday podcast, but I didn't see his message until like the day of. Yeah. So, um, so let's plan on – how about this? For, for shits and giggles, uh, I'll set a calendar reminder or whatever. Let's do a birthday podcast next year. Uh, oh, I'm going to be drunk as fuck too, by the way. Sure. I mean, I mean, do you know what our podcast is based on? <laughs> no, nah, but I'm gonna be drunk anyway. Drinking. That's why brutally speaking, B R E W. Yeah. So we'll we can do a, a drunk cast and uh maybe oh God, we can idea, I'm down. Maybe we can figure out we have we have over a year to plan. Maybe we can figure out some kind of a charity where we can raise money for a charity of your choosing or something. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, we can figure all that shit out. We got plenty of time to do it. Awesome. Well, uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, thanks, man. You too. Thanks I'll for having to... me on here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, I'll probably talk soon. Yeah, for sure, dude. Have a good one. All right. Well. Hold